and we're live, and welcome back to the second edition of, oh, I should have come up with a catchy name, but the the Epstein question, <laughs> we'll call it. <laughs> Epstein Files. The Ep- Epstein Inquisition, perhaps. Nobody um, expects the Epstein Inquisition. Yes. <laughs> I mean, this long, this long after the fact, I guess nobody was expecting this. But um, <laughs> welcome back to the show, Romanized Visigoth. Thank you. Um, and we're sort of picking up the torch where we left off last, uh, where we did the uh, Dave Smith uh, slash ex Gene Epstein Jewish question episode. Um, but it, it sort of introduced the idea to us to be like, oh, my God, every time this guy goes on a podcast, he says a bunch of fucking pill pull. And uh, <laughs> it's, don't you mean uh, Epstein circle Dave Smith? <laughs> right. Good point. Yes. Good point. Keichel. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yes. The circle. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, we. We we had a number of them to choose from, and I think this is good that we started on this one because this sort of um, it links to a bunch of other video or episodes of things we want to talk about as well, and they're sort of brought up a topic sort of that he brings up in this uh, episode. Um, so we're talking about oh shit! I guess I should have opened up uh, the um, opened up the page of his. Um, of the podcast, but this is an episode from 2017, I believe, uh, from the Tom 2016 from the Tom Wood show. Wow. What a time, by the way, what a time period, 2016, uh, in, in September. Uh, and so the episode is called episode 728. Can libertarians make a decent case for free trade on the Tom Wood show? Um, and uh, yes, first September 2016. And uh, yep, so we're going to be. And before we get out, get into this, is there anything you would like to sort of preface this with, perhaps as we did last time about um, about uh, maybe let's rewind perhaps and 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 feel uh, and think about what where we were when we listened to this episode? Yeah, well, I I'm pretty sure I was just. Uh, I guess I could say like a vanilla right hand cap. Sure. <laughs> you know, at this time, like, yeah. which, which sounds like that's a, you know, to a lot of people that wouldn't be a vanilla flavor, but I'm sure. Yes. I know that's, that's people. like, like lilac or coconut lilac <laughs> flavor for most normal people. Yes. Um, but uh, I guess it, it would help for you to listen to this episode if you did have sort of a, um, background in the whole broader liberty movement because are the liberty libertarian like philosophy i guess because this is like we're going to be doing kind of like a takedown almost on like a lot of the a priori assumptions that um were very rampant at the time in the libertarian scene and are sort of gone now because they've been debunked by history (laughs) Yeah. Um, and uh, as far as I go, I, I mean, again, I was I guess I would I don't uh, I guess I was sort of an ANCAP, too, at the time. But um, I I will stress that I had a before getting into libertarianism, I was a 4chan user. So um, I had a sort of background in generally speaking, right wing slash 
race realist uh, politics that was sort of the bedrock to prior to me even getting into libertarianism. But yeah, I did not prior to libertarianism prior to the 2008 Ron Paul campaign. Right, yeah. I was basically a left wing socialist, I guess, possibly even like a campus communist. Right. Many in such the, cases, the by the way. Yeah. When I was a teenager, I sort of identified as such, but uh, then I went online and like <laughs> got uh, exposed to all the uh, all of the you know uncensored shit that was on that was on places like 4chan and uh, the like. So um, and it sort of really was before because this is before poll when I sort of got into that stuff. It was just on like the main the main like B board. And then you met, it, it was kind of like, um, you'd meet people on there and you'd become friends with them. And then you'd sort of end up in these little clusters of online people that you, you know, sort of shared ideas with but a lot different than today's internet. I got to say, I admit, I really do think back to like those, those late aughts as being like a true golden age of like when you could, like just be nasty online. <laughs> yeah, I think back to I, I I didn't have I didn't use the internet like that, but I was part of the um, like first you could call it the second or maybe third MMO Ultima Online. Oh yeah, and I know that. Uh, yeah. it was like you know not you players were not protected like in you know the wowification yeah. of uh, MMOs, which people I mean, can just steal people, your shit too. Yeah, yeah, like you die and it's like you're just that's it um in terms of the stuff. And so it but anyway, it had that kind of like wild west vibe that is totally lost. Uh yeah. was totally lost basically after like EverQuest and then especially with WoW, like every because it's just economics like Yeah, it became super enough, profitable, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's not enough players that are into you know a sheep and wolf game <laughs> like cuz the two they you know most will be sheep yeah um so it's just once they have the option yeah they want they want the protection of like the the big cushy um big cushy soft toy that like the big user base corporate products such as wow will experience will give you right this is a video game podcast this week by the way (laughs) like they were like back in the original i remember even before i had a pc capable of running the game i would come over and like play it on my friend's computer and they, I think event obviously by now they cleaned it up, but even back in like 2000, they might've cleaned it up. But very early on, I remember seeing names like in Ultima Online, like Hitler, the Jew killer. Yeah. Like the things. <laughs> of course. Yeah. 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 No, I, I was a Starcraft guy early aughts, um, Starcraft brood war online. And yeah, you could make your fucking shit literally like gas them all 88 or whatever, if you wanted <laughs> There was no rules. I mean, it's cool. I mean, to be fair, like half of the user base was all Koreans. So it meant nothing to them anyway. So, uh, yeah, anyway, but uh, (laughs) there's a little bit of a history lesson for you kids. I do have a preface for this. Okay, please. Um, Like like a contextual. I I went over this episode, this Tom Woods episode over the course of the last um, two or three days, and I took notes on different days. So. I may have to go back and be like, oh, you know, I want to make an extra point, you know, that kind of uh, stuff like this is a you're totally You're in the right linear. place for that. <laughs> but um, there's a few different, uh, if uh, hopefully I can sort of 
coherently make this point, but there's a few different ways that I'll be engaging with the points. Um, there's the purely practical question of like what actually does happen, you know, when you yes. institute free trade. And then there's um, sort of specific things like uh, ontological things, like a collective action problem. Right. And how different groups compete. Um, and and it, things that uh, Gene Epstein and Tom Woods wouldn't want to talk about or no. possibly aren't capable of talking about or definitely don't want to at, at the very least. Right. I think Gene can, but he doesn't, but he wouldn't. Yeah, or maybe he can't because he just understands it so implicitly that his chosen, <laughs> if you will, group, <laughs> um, his born into chosen group is uh, has a at least one, if not multiple mechanisms for collective action outside of the formal, you know, United States of America state right. or any other state. Um, so he might not even think of it. He might think of it. He probably thinks of it, but not the way I think of it. Right. Uh, and he wouldn't use those terms. And he, obviously he wouldn't want to talk about it public. Um, and there's a couple other like different uh, perspectives. Like for example, the idea that free trade is right wing because you know gene will bring up like the left-wing policy institute yeah and how um that's i, I think it can't be well, it's like historically untrue it's like literally just a product of the reagan era uh where free trade right. was viewed as a right-wing thing and like going or back Barry goldwater starting okay fair that, enough but, but i mean he's jewish but um <laughs> uh, but i mean prior to that though it was like unthinkable to be that the right the, that the conservative side of the political spectrum would be for pro free trade that was like literally the original term liberal usually meant like referred mm. to the adam smith type free market you know laissez-faire types which was ardently associated with the left wing particularly throughout the enlightenment yeah and specifically i don't think it can be overstated the amount to the extent that you know gut feeling right wing white people in america or anywhere have sort of pro free market feelings or thoughts or preferences it's it's because they were you know finkel think told that the that the side the other side has the opposite sort of like yeah anybody that wants to be non-racial it's like why can't we just get you know past race because they think that's the way to right. get uh the left the conversation, to stop attacking them right they get to move the conversation to something that they're able to you know demonstrate knowledge of too by the way Right. But, and, and that they don't actually believe that like deep down inside or to the extent that they do believe it now, it's because it's they reactionary, saw it as a way yeah. out. Yeah, it, exactly. Yeah. Reactionary. Well, I, I, I've said this before on the show, but I feel like me myself, like the reason why I even sort of clung to the like libertarian free market positions was absolutely in a reactionary sense to be like, I don't like liberals. I therefore must like this. And I would do like ridiculous things. Like I would get into arguments with like my, my real friends about like, well, here's why Walmart actually helps people. And like, this is the, some of the shit that like Gene does in this episode. He specifically, mm -hmm. I think he do, brings up Walmart. Um, and, uh, 
I would like sort of no, I don't know if I was parroting this, but or or it was sort of just my greater understanding after reading the like Mises and and Rothbard fucking gobbledygook fucking theory shit, and this was like my sort of uh, my own my own spin on it. But I I would sit there and like simp for big corporations to like my real friends. Like and just get into this stupid <laughs> argument, like and it's for, for why? Why is Walmart gonna give me a fucking pat on the back? Thanks for defending me against the fat guy at the fucking D and D table, Scott. Like, are we fucking <laughs> like literally? This is what we're talking about here. Um, and so yeah, it was absolutely like you said, Finkelthink. Like the 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 it's a personality sort of dialectic fight. Where you're just like, well, I don't want to be like that, so therefore I should be like this, and then it's that's very powerful, especially when all political discourse is like boiled down to this like fake dialectical struggle that is, you know, at the end of the day, controlled by Zionists on both sides. Right. So, yeah. So the overall, I guess, framework that I'll be engaging with this in, and that the audience should think of it, is not. I mean, you you should definitely at the same time think about what he's literally saying. Yeah. But you should think of that's it also as like, wrong. why is he saying, <laughs> you know, why is he saying this or why does he say it this way or why does he give this statistic? So and, true. I know what you're yeah, thinking. Like, what about, does he yeah. leave? Well, out? Let's, yeah, let's dive so, into it. Let's say. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Keep that in mind, though. That's good. That's good for you to bring that up because that is important. But we're going to dive in and we'll pause and give our own commentary where needed. So, okay, let me just get VLC going again. And, oh, by the way, this is before we start. Actually, this is the other thing I wanted to get to is I have edited this episode, um, the episode of the Tom Woods show, partially, well, just wholly, actually, but for two reasons. Wholly because he has a bunch of advertisements in it. Um, and first of all, we're not getting any revenue from it. So why would I even let two seconds of the show go by where I'm going, Oh, let me skip through the ad. No, I'm not doing that. So I went ahead and I cut them out in an editing software, but, uh, I guess this could also bring, bring us to a quick point before we start, which is the propensity for libertarian content and like the community in general to be like a hive of grifting and scum and villainy. (laughs) Yeah, Tom. Uh, I mean, Tom Woods has really shown himself. I, I, not that I follow him now, but I've actually had. I've had a few people, people tell me, me. Yes. Yeah. Same. Yeah, about just like personal life stuff and how he conducted himself with his former oh. friends, some of his former friends. Interesting. I, we won't. We don't have to get into that per se. But, but I as will far say, as I know, he's he's split up with Bob Murphy. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Um, like in a in a, a, a not amicable sense. way. Yeah. Oh, oh I see what no, you're no, saying. No, like personally, yeah. like in a in a like he like bad blood. Interesting. Okay. Well, um, I guess uh, if we didn't, since we don't know why, or I don't know why, we'll we'll refrain from commenting on it. Uh, but I will say this: is that uh, I I do I, I don't follow him too much anymore either. I around this era was when I was the most ardent listener of his when this episode was uh, being recorded, and. Um, I've, I, I've, again, like you, I've had a bunch of people be like, hey, have you seen what Tom Woods is up to lately? And it's like, he's selling like how to talk to women advice. It's like, bro, like I, like Andrew Tate is a hard enough sell to me that he gets a lot of pussy, like, and is like a smooth guy. Did you say Tom Woods? Tom Woods is doing that. Yes. 
how to talk to women. It's not like how it's yeah, it's like how it's like life skills and like how to start a family and like break the ice and be like a more it's insane that Tom Woods would deign to do this. <laughs> well, I mean, if what you want to end up is like a Catholic divorcee <laughs> with, with a fat girlfriend, but five children. True. Has he had more with the with the. I, I'm not, I, I don't know, and I wouldn't comment on it either way as far as that, that aspect. I mean, of he's his had life. more children than well above average. For sure, for sure. A prodigious so. breeder, <laughs> if you will. Um, but uh, no, I was just more commenting on his business practices, which is to say that he's, you know, listen, it, part of the thing with this, this um, and, and this is a broader comment on like the whole podcasting thing. And, and I'm not fucking immune to this criticism, by the way, either. Um, but like the whole podcasting phenomenon is also like kind of like a friendship simulator slash co instant community kind of thing. And um, mm -hmm. a lot of people, particularly who are like like libertarians who would be listening to like Tom Woods show. And this is not a value judgment on them, but it's a niche, you know, sort of fringe thing, pol political uh, affiliation. And therefore, people in it are typically or often, I should say, fringe and um, and uh, and what's the word I just used before? Whatever. But um, and therefore Narrow I can, atypical yeah, there we go sure um but i was just gonna say though it's like there's like sort of a um i could see there's like a little bit of a uh a perverse incentive if we're going to use uh uh autistic libertarian terminology here for um tom or any creator for that matter uh to sort of provide more you know sort of pay pay to be friends with me kind of thing and this kind of sort of i think sort of falls into that where you're going to get like a consultation with the guy you listen to the podcast with uh and you know feel like you know you're you're buying you're buying his time i feel like and it and for some for a group like libertarians i feel like that's kind of predatory is what i'm trying to say yeah yeah, I mean they're they're listening. It's kind of like gay SMR. <laughs> yes, gold this SMR. Is, this is my friend. Gold SMR. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so let's get going though, and I I don't want to like just shit on the guy because I mean like I I'll say this for as far as I mean ad listening of course included, but the amount of hours of free content that he's provided to me is a lot uh, over the over the many years. Um, but anyway, let's let's get going here. Here, we're talking about free trade once again. My feeling is that libertarians have not done such a great job on this issue. You're, you would be you would feel your feelings would be right, Tom. <laughs> and actually, by the way, he almost like sort of makes he does like sort of make like a steel man argument for what we're going to say. At the beginning, I'll give him credit for this. Is that he starts the episode off by hitting Gene with like a pretty decent uh, arguments that we might make to towards Gene, but then when one angle, right? Thank you. That was gonna say, but then as soon as Gene gives a meek wiffle ball bat swing at this uh, at this um, lob, uh, he goes, 
Okay, cool. Good. All right, let's move on then. Cool. That's been he answered. Moves, he moves the baseball park yes. <laughs> under the ball and says, oh, you knocked it out of the park. <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> Sorry. I just have to frame it like that. And that they really have not taken people on when they've said free trade has devastated America. And look at all these towns that are all boarded up. And yes. so many people have lost their jobs because of it. And now they have they're extremely insecure in their employment. And this is all because of free trade specifically. Well, today we're going to talk to Gene Epstein about this because Gene has just written who better <laughs> than the someone who's created this nightmare scenario for us. <laughs> or a yeah, he worked in the New York who... Stock Exchange and then Barron's. So who knows more about hollowing you know, out the, the middle class of white America? Yeah, and the Rust Belt. Yeah, <laughs> I mean he's probably flown over it so many times. Yeah, he's got a bird's eye view, and some say that that's the best way to look at everything from t- from twenty thousand feet. A column for Barron's on it. Gene, of course, is a frequent guest on this show. He's also economics and book review editor over at Barron's, which is the nation's premier financial. He re- he reviews books such as My Two Mommies, um, <laughs> uh, the B- Barack Obama's. Um, What's it called? Uh, tragedy. No, I was going to say tragedy and hope, but it's something else. It's like something of my hope of my father or something. <laughs> publication. Oh, yes. Gene, welcome back to the show. It's uh, good to be back, Tom. And, uh, you know, my God, I've got a, the status of having, I think you said I'm a gold member. and I- He is a gold member of any <laughs> club. <laughs> I recommend it to everyone being a gold member of the Tom Woods show. You've got a lot of benefits. Plus, I think it ends up being about 90 cents per show. Okay. Uh, this is the other thing I was going to say. The second he comes on the show, he starts shilling. I mean, it's for the host of the show, but he is indeed shilling, literally doing almost an ad copy, basically, for the paid service that the the host provides. Oh, if you also listen to Contra Krugman. So it's a great deal for everyone. 250 smackers, as Tom likes to call fiat money. And I think it's a it's a bargain. Well, you can even be a bronze member for just five smackers a month. It's supporting listeners dot com. Gene is not only. I wonder if that is that is that an offer still valid? Guess I should have cut this out too. Huh? I just wanted to. I think so. I uh, I wanted to just leave it in, but though because of Gene immediately shilling for him. It's funny Tom <laughs> went right from gold to bronze because it's like he skipped the other Jewish medal. Like, <laughs> he was like, oh, "You could also be a Gentile and support the show. <laughs> you could either be a gold member or a Gentile and support the show." Yeah, I think he expects that the uh, that the gold members, you know. <laughs> they kick up a little more because, you know, listen, he is a janissary of their ideology after all. Um, so, oh, I yes. mean, he's sort of like a uh, he's like the um, he's like the rush of libertarianism almost. <laughs> uh, OK, reporting listener, he's also in the private Facebook group and he interacts with people. It's just crazy. The benefits are so crazy. I don't know why I'm not charging more They're for them, but I appreciate you might say. It's, it's almost as good as the Contra Cruz. <laughs> and that's uh, almost, <laughs> almost. Yeah, you know what's not quite as good as the Contra Cruz? Well, I, 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 I will say when you started to say you were a gold member, at first I thought you were driving at something, a skit from Saturday Night Live years ago, where all the people who had hosted the show at least five times Boomer got humor. together and they were in some oh, elite right. club. <laughs> and I thought you've been a guest 
touched on this show so so many times that you're approaching right. that also. Okay, that that's enough. <laughs> All right, let's get. Let's what get I like is the old I'm... SNL. You know, Belushi, yeah. Rad. <laughs> they weren't pandering for laughs back then. They they were doing something new. So true. Yes, this is a really fresh take, by the way, that you're laying on me right now that I've never yeah. heard before either. It was revolutionary. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All right. <laughs> Sorry. I want to talk about free trade. You've got a great column on the subject that's uh, linked to at uh, tomwoods.com. I'll open slash that up too, by the way. So let me start it off this way because oh, I want to I was going the, to open up that article. Away. I was going to open up that article, but it's fucking paywalled. <laughs> uh, can you um, – do you know the kung fu for the uh, archive – I think you just that. you just copy and paste it and type in archive.org, right? Yeah, I I have to say I think I've never actually physically done it, but I've had people send me archive, you know, links of paid content. Um I, don't know, I did do did you want to comment on anything that's in the in the uh, article anyway? I didn't read it. Okay, well I didn't either. I just figured if 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 the if we, the need arises, we could have it. But we'll figure that out. It, we'll cross that bridge when it comes to it. I guess that's actually too bad because I listened to the episode uh, specifically a second time to try to get any names of any of the studies Gene is referencing because I was actually going to read those or at least skim them to see like what he's really talking about because he you know he's pretty fast and loose with yeah I you know I took these numbers I blah 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 and i did want to have a glance at those but he doesn't reference them by any sort of identifying information in the audio but perhaps in the article he might um oh you know what i can just open it up without javascript probably but anyway so let's let's hit i'll hit play and i'll fuck with this while we're doing it Critics of free trade have been framing it for the past 10 or 20 years in particular is they'll say now, the mercantilists were different because they didn't have free traders around whom they could accuse of being academic pointy heads out of touch with the real world. But anti-free traders today do have that. And what they say is, what am I supposed to believe, your theories or my own eyes? The fact is, in the wake of free trade, I see all these towns that have been decimated because the plant left and everything's boarded up and the, the you know and the white – workers are all on you know oxycontin or whatever and they're all their families are devastated and they cool it tom don't say white (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's actually kind of funny i'm surprised that he did that on it legitimately a little bit of color And this has gone all over middle class America. It's devastated America because we can't possibly compete with people who live in countries with no regulation and where they earn 10 cents an hour. And and you pointing heads keep telling me. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. So he what what you'll never hear about again is that is, you know, because Tom, he sort of says, who am I going to believe you or my or my lying eyes kind of a thing? Like, yeah. look at all these boarded up towns. And it's kind of like the whole rest of the episode is like, there's no boarded up town. There's no bombed yeah. out factories. It's gaslighting. It's like, yeah, there's there's no gene doesn't actually once say, um, well, actually, because this would sound ridiculous to say, well, that's creative destruction and like the kind of callousness that you need. Yes. Like all those people had to um, those full on developed geographic or municipality areas had to look like ghost towns had to become 
had to be reclaimed by nature or something like that. Um, that, that, that will never be commented on. He's just going to comment on things like jobs right. in an abstract sense, not communities or people on drugs. So Tom actually said a number of things, none of which Gene is going to comment on, which is actually a common po politician tactic. Like I remember one time Barack Obama was asked by a black guy, uh, about inflation and he literally answered about um, job creation. Right. Like, actually, the economy is creating a lot of jobs and didn't mention inflation at all. This was actually something Peter Schiff, back when he used to do his radio show, uh, this is like a 2012 take. Um, oh, yeah. I'm familiar so, with it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I got the Gene article, will do by the, the same way. thing. Oh, nice. There's no studies. <laughs> 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 He's just implying. Okay. Actually, this is yeah, not, just, he doesn't even bring up any of the, the talking points he used in this. He sort of just does a philosophy. Mm. He does a... Well, we'll get to that. We'll talk about that at the end. I, I apologize for the fucking distraction to the listeners for me fucking around with this. I should have prepared. My bad. But um, what were you just saying about, uh, about uh, the Peter Schiff thing, talking point? Well, just that... Like, it just reminds me of that time that Barack Obama literally just stepped over an audience question to answer what maybe to somebody who is completely bamboozled would think is the question, right. but just a diff like, it's like just something else in the economy. Like yes. uh, a man asks about inflation and he answers, well, we're creating a lot of jobs. So yeah, I know, actually it your toilet paper doesn't cost more because <laughs> yeah. So that's a we'll, we're about to hear it, but basically what Gene does now is so again. So now by Tom saying, "Hey, all the jobs are going away. White people are dying of fucking heroin overdoses." At Al, um, he now sets the stage for Gene to be like, "All I have to do is disprove that the jobs aren't going away, and or that the jobs do go away, suck, and therefore I didn't have breakfast yesterday morning." I did have breakfast <laughs> yesterday morning, and therefore I don't have to deal with this argument. And um, he does this by, say, by, by saying what I said, which is basically like, oh, there actually are no jobs going away. That's a, a fallacy, and, and you're wrong for thinking that. You're, your lying eyes <laughs> have fucking yeah, deceived no jobs you. jobs going away, which means there are – which means Detroit is the same as it was in 1965, yes, which means – you know, Chicago is the same it was in, you know, 1952. Which also means that all of my a priori assumptions about the economy are undisturbed by the fact that you're watching your country erode. There. Yeah, I mean, the main question. Pardon me, I'm eating. It's all good. <laughs> the main question that Tom asked, if you really take the overall framework of his question is, under a regime of relative free trade compared to before certain, they didn't even talk about the laws, but you know things like NAFTA and things mm -hmm. that Tariffs. most people are familiar with. There has been a degradation in a number of different ways you could, you know, sectors, whole parts of the country, um, whole lifestyles, and you know that has happened. And there's nothing you can say that means that hasn't happened. So how do you address that? And then he goes on to address 
just <laughs> numbers of jobs. Yep. Well, that's what we're about to see. What what how Gene deals with this telling me that someday this is all going to work out. But but look, I I can see the devastation everywhere. There we go. And that matters to me more than your academic theory in a textbook. How do you attack? Not that you have to give every single argument right now, but how do you attack that kind of angle on the question? Well, uh, I think uh, I think you pose it very well. Pose the challenge very well. And uh, I nice job, Goy. I do first want to lead, so to speak, with my chin as a libertarian and say that libertarian principles dictate that uh, we should have uh, the freedom to trade, um, whether it be with uh, a foreigner or with uh, somebody domestic. Nobody has a right to interfere in our right to trade with whomever we please when we perceive mutual benefit now with that also by the way that's another one of those things where it's it's clouded in this like real general speech where like Mm -hmm. generally speaking by the way even in a more regulated economy do you think that there's going to be like major impediments for individuals to do business with people in other countries like that's absurd to the idea that you couldn't buy a piece of original art handmade you know when you went to another country or something it's something it's it's now dumbed down to this like kindergarten understanding of of uh of how how commerce works and then it builds all this poison stuff that's what that's he starts introduce goes from that basic kindergarten understanding of what commerce is and then builds in and sort of goes up, you with me, you with me, sort of, but adds in all these other little poison pills into it until the the it turns out you've now got a, you know, a horse pill of Jewish, like, <laughs> uh, you know, e- economic ideology with a thin veneer of of me buy things. <laughs> I, I would like to analyze what he just said differently. Sure. So Tom basically asks like, extremely goyish styled or framed question like there is visible undeniable devastation things it's just even just like even just on something like an aesthetic level i mean the country is so much worse off and it's totally insane to think that just because the gdp number says this or that that these things are good right um and then gene's response may even be worth replaying because he's he literally responds to it and says well i want to lead with my he says chin, but he means nose and says as a as a libertarian. So his answer to that to devastation is as a libertarian, people have a right to trade with whoever they want. So essentially his his response is that had to happen. That is all like uh, this principle that we have that, you know, every, I should be able to buy um, plastic widget A for 10 percent less from China. Sure. And your entire city is you know, turn into like a crime ridden, drug ridden nightmare. That's my principle is that essentially, I mean, he kind of makes it an absolute statement as if there is no amount of human mm. devastation that could shake that principle. Right. Or for he him, actually, at least as yeah, a libertarian, says, for, as, li- as a libertarian. Yeah. Right. Um, and what he really means is as a Jewish person and the de- uh, when the devastation is hitting primarily white Gentile right. people. Right, because the unspoken thing there is that he will be insulated from that by his wealth and connections. Um, Okay, yeah, I will replay it. I'll go back a few seconds. 
have uh, the freedom to trade. Dick Bayless wanted to lead, so to speak, with Mike Chin as a libertarian and say that libertarian principles dictate that uh, we should have uh, the freedom to trade, uh, whether it be with uh, a foreigner or with uh, somebody domestic. Nobody has a right to interfere in our right to trade with whomever we please when we perceive mutual benefit. Now, with that said, so, so just are- let me just one more time. So his response to this devastation happened under a regime of relatively more free trade. Answer that. And his answer is literally, we have a right to trade with whoever we want. It's basically reframing the argument of just what free trade is. Yes. He, he, so he basically says, yes. <laughs> it's like all this devastation happened under free trade. What's your answer to that? Yes. I like it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's move on. Our Austrians, um, we recognize uh, that uh, people have all kinds of values and attitudes when it comes to freedom to trade. It is, for example, a fascinating fact that 20 years after, the first 20 years after World War II, Jewish people did not buy German cars. I happen to know that firsthand. My father refused to buy a German car, and in fact, by the 1980s, he would only buy American-made cars. So if you are concerned, if you are convinced that your right to to trade freely is harming other people or is helping people you think are evil, then uh, go ahead and buy American. Build your own factories. Yeah. So that's his introduction to stepping over or just trying to get around entirely philosophically the collective action problem. That he he just won't acknowledge. I mean, he won't even come within you know a, a country mile of acknowledging it as a problem because it's not a problem because that's a libertarian. There is no problem. Right, and then even he did, he goes, oh well, he goes well. Here's an instance in which this sort of bucks the trend, and I'm going to invoke your MK Ultra conditioning that has caused you not to question the reasons or motivations behind this act, act this uh, this collective action. Um, you know, in in some countries, at th- threat of prosecution. Yeah, and also, you know, it's funny he brings up this thing about his dear old dad and German cars, and I guess other American Jews. Why didn't he bring up like the you know the newspaper headline from the 1930s like war on Germany? <laughs> yep. Well, because that's that's inconvenient to the overall narrative of the Holocaust, of course. Or it just frames it. It just sounds not as nice as saying his dad preferred to buy American. Yeah. Well, yeah, right. Exactly. It doesn't sound. It it, it decla- It's literally the headline reads: Judea declares war on Germany. Nineteen thirty six. But th- th- that's th- that's crazy that you brought that up because I had that exact thought when I wa- listened to this yesterday, which was, which was that's the most famous collective action against Germany by Jews, <laughs> um, or maybe not most famous, but most notable, I suppose. It's the most clearly written. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay. Uh, exercise your freedom. But apart from that, uh, uh, it's very clear then that we are potentially interested in the consequences of our exercise of freedom. 
And my article attempted to address that. The problem uh, does indeed get... It doesn't do a great job. I'm looking at it right now. Back to Bastiat's statement about the evidence of things unseen. You see some concentrated pain. Some people did lose their jobs. Schrodinger's shekel. That is what, I mean, essentially fucking Bastiat's uh, seen and unseen is essentially Schrodinger's Schrodinger's cat almost. It's like... Well, well, it isn't quite. It's not quite. But I mean, there's it's there's an element of quantum reality to it where it's like it's simultaneously you see a broken window and you also see, you know, the fucking uh, the glazier, the glazier, uh, the glazier in one world. There's the glazier making the window. And then the other one, it's the new suit. Uh, yeah. of the of the guy of the the baker or whoever's window it was by the way was i think bastiat i mean just on a pure in the way that austrians are i guess correct in many ways like that's it's correct yes like in a sort of mundane day-to-day thing but it's like that doesn't answer the question of whether there should be economic nationalism because there's other concerns than just dollars and cents well you could apply the seen and unseen thing to any system that's the reality. Maybe he was the yeah, first how about guy. To... All of the all of the unborn Japanese yes. since their constitution they were written by a Jewish woman. Oh, that too. Yeah, I was gonna say if they hadn't changed been... their society. Yeah. Um, or nuked how about unnuked <laughs> things nuked and unnuked <laughs> Japs nuked and unnuked. True nips nuked and unnuked. <laughs> Bastiat. <laughs> No, but um, but but that's that's exactly that's exactly what I was just gonna say. Like, or how about how about the money that the truck driver who got put out of job by the Sikh truck driver who came to America, um, you know, would have Seeking spent a job. Yes, well, that's why they call him that. Um, well, what's it called? Uh, that he you know would have spent that on fucking uh his daughter's ballet lessons or whatever and then the money that that ballet teacher then would have taken i mean that's unseen that's unseen by this gene <laughs> or bassiat by that by that same token but even more than that like a country that is not able to do things like control its borders and have a demographic policy um will have like all of the people that come in as e- economic because that's basically what migration to the west is economic, right? it's economic migrants, migration yeah. Yeah. um those people the, the the quantum reality that is then realized is a reality where those people have a higher reproduction rate right and take up more biomass on this earth and the previous host population has a lower yes that and, is th- but, there you go that's that's the essential one yeah and that's just as much an economic calculation as anything just because it's not dollars and cents and it's not you know it's people and that's really ultimately i mean people get to oh you know an economy the purpose of an economy which gene will bring up sort of is to make goods and services but uh you know y- you need to have people and maybe you want your people and the, the idea of your people of course he would object to um he would object to it for one reason tom for another yeah good point yes and he would also uh depending on what the people was he would you know approve of it or not that's the other thing with with gene i assume is that you know if if jamal said my people he would you know gene would give a big old fat thumbs up uh well i I was thinking more like you know his people True. Jewish gene, Jewish genes. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, also, I mean, that's part of the whole, you know, uh, system, too, is that it's like it isn't just 
it isn't just Jews who are allowed to collectively act. It's everyone but whites. Until they cross Jews. Good point. Fair enough. But yeah, I think the, the I think that they think that they'll just be able to control discourse and propaganda enough that that won't be too, too much of an issue other than, you know, just like typical like urban decay style sort of random crime and not political, you know, sort of uh, opposition. Yeah, when you get an act out, they, you can just have um, mass mass showings of um, 21 Jump Street. <laughs> yes. Um, anyway, so let's get back into it. Who have to find other jobs and who, by the way, by and large, when people lose their jobs, the next job they get does not pay as well as the job they lost. All of that is quite true. However, uh, when you look at our deficits, when you look at it from any standpoint, you begin with any standpoint with the fact that the trade deficit of the U.S. in total is 3% of gross domestic product. Then when you examine all of the estimates about jobs lost to foreign trade, and what I did was I took the highest possible estimate, I then raised it, I then found that it accounts for about 3% of all jobs lost in the domestic economy. And so... So I I looked up, I think right now it's 3.7. I looked that up I was looking it up. I was looking it up just now, but you did it, I guess. um, You know, it's funny, like the way he uses his words. He says, I took the highest estimate and then I raised it. It's like, raised it how much? I mean... Do you mean like he went from 2.9 to 3? It's just weird to say I raised it with like he's talking about numbers, but he's not talking about numbers. <laughs> right. like, it's like if I say, oh, well, you know, the response rate was 15 percent. So I raised that. It says and here anyway, that it's 20, 23 percent, by the way, the trade deficit of GDP. Uh, Perhaps. Oh, maybe I'm just looking at it the wrong way. Either yeah, way. What? So, but um, I would like to disambiguate that real quick. Uh, What we're seeing in the Russia-Ukraine war, um, because, you know, uh, I think it was uh, Lou Rockwell that made the point back during the uh, Tom Woods and Lou uh, Rockwell-Trump debate um, review episodes. Do you remember those? I do. Yeah, very well. Yeah, you know, because Russia came up a lot and they would talk about, you know, Russia's not a problem. And one of the points that he made several times was it has the GDP of Italy. Russia right. does. I've I've used to use that talking point. <laughs> it's a good one because it is it, it, it shocks people. Yeah. And it's true as it's measured. But GDP, like using things like tourism and yeah. fucking OnlyFans dollars being, you know, like. Yeah. As the same thing as metals mining and factory production, that's fucking retarded. Can I just speak from a position of like as a like consumer? um, There are a number of items that you can only get from Russia because America and everywhere else in the West has deemed it non-essential just to construct them, including like tubes, like for like, you know, vacuum tubes for like vacuum tubes. Yeah. 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 For like amps and stuff. They don't make them anywhere but Russia. 
and compare that, like you said, only that's a great example too, are like liquor sales or something. That's all tied mm-hmm. up in American GDP. Of course, I'm not that's actually a bad example because Russia's very Russia. bad. Yeah. <laughs> all right, fine, fine. Weed sales. I know they don't have it that much there. Well, let's just look at Italy. Let's just say, I mean, Italy's Pasta. the percentage <laughs> of Italian GDP that's tourism is probably um an order of magnitude higher than the percentage of Russia's GDP that's tourism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the percentage of Italy's GDP that's things like fashion, true, and high-end consumer goods like, um, you know, jewelry, non-clothing, fashion yeah. items, uh, status items, uh, cars like uh, Ferrari and Lamborghini, things that you could just delete from the earth, yeah, and would not affect people the way you know getting rid of um, all manufacturing of like air conditioners or. You know, automobiles as such, not yeah. luxury. Fuck va- uh, fucking vacuum tubes. Vacuum tubes. Yeah. Um, or steel, you know, oil as I mean, let's just like <laughs> okay. with Russia, the big surplus one, like ammunition. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> shells. Gunpowder. Yeah. I mean, we, they made it so we can't buy them anymore. Actually, that's the other thing. So who knows what they'll do with that? But yeah. So to say that because America has and I think people are going to start accepting this and making this point more as the power balance of the world changes more than it seems like it should based on these stupid fucking numbers, which is that American GDP is like for every dollar or whatever equivalent of Chinese or Russian GDP compared to American, there's more fat in the American one. Yes. And if you take, you know, Oh, say you have twice as much or something, maybe you actually have the same actual important production. And to some extent that's, you know, an Austrian, oh, subjective. Yeah, it's subjective until you're in a war. Yeah. Like, is it subjective now that Ukraine, let's say Ukraine had the same GDP on paper. I'm sure it didn't. Maybe. I mean, actually, I have no idea. But let's just say, hypothetically, Ukraine was full of like tourism and only fans. And they had a couple of like uh, really high end, like perfume brands or something. Right. And they had the same paper GDP as Russia. You know, um, I guess Austrians would just say, yeah, well, war is the state, you know, the crisis of, they were just right. kind of back, back up to some, but in reality, of course, uh, in the real world where there's conflict or potential conflict that is mediated by, okay, we have this much ability to generate, to make war and you have this much. So therefore we must deal with you in this way versus a different way. Uh, like for example, the way America deals with China versus how it deals with pick random South American country. Right. Uh, in terms of respect. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's just using these numbers without like, if you're having this sort of philosophical discussion and especially talking about the way Tom framed it, the goyish way of framing it, which is actual people's lives, actual, just, you know, architecture that's crumbling, you know, pipes bursting, the things being reclaimed by nature, which actually is probably the most positive version of (laughs) destruction, but, uh, reclaimed by blacks is more on the negative side um or uh fucking course, trains derailing and the fucking yeah, trains, chemical yeah, spills the, yeah. yeah yeah economy still trying to work in a country where important physical nodes are degrading um for a plethora of reasons that probably can't be fully understood because it's just too complex but obviously it's, it's deindustrializing. Some, it can be kind of boil down to the tragedy of the commons coupled with i would just say deindustrialization i mean we have replaced industrial capacity 
which he's actually going to try to say we haven't, but that's not true because if we're doing, again, it's how it's measured, but obviously less people are working in manufacturing, real manufacturing, yeah. industrial production, because more people are working in retail and they are services in general and um, things like entertainment, which are just, you can't, you know, it's like a pyramid. You can't have right. an economy based on consumption which actually used to be something that uh libertarian supply would say. side yeah. yeah it's kind of funny that gene is almost making an anti-supply side argument in some of this keep that in mind yeah uh, as you listen to him well because he only does, he, he just comment. does it to whatever to wriggle out of whatever fucking corner he's been put in he doesn't act i mean he does believe it i suppose but it's not like it has this sort of and that's kind of the essence of like the austrian theory uh, essentially is that it is fluid you don't ever have to put hard numbers to anything for it to air quotes work in your head um and that's why it's so malleable to any of these fucking things to dance around the reality that tom tried to present mm -hmm. yeah and i'd also like to say you know a lot of tom's episodes he says oh we deal with this criticism or we answer this question yeah and i used to even when i was a tom woods fan and i more or less agreed with him i always thought it was weird the way he said that because even back then i had too much like a sort of autistic way of looking at the way people say things and i was like you gave an answer a possible answer you, <laughs> yes. you gave your you didn't answer convince me <laughs> or you didn't give like like for example if you're there are things that you can give more or less definitive answers to and there's way you, ways you can address questions tom's version of answering something is we gave a plausible response <laughs> so 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 he kind of teaches his audience take this plausible response yeah. and propagate it you know like this is your answer to you know people talking about global warming or people talking about healthcare but whatever it is you know and it's like no but you didn't actually but he acts like as if this is the final word on it or what we said is um answers every possible criticism from different ontological I think, angles i think that the point the the problem the, or the reason why this is so prevalent that's so prevalent is because the absolute state of like actual ideological discourse is so lacking or there is none. It's literally just team D versus R in America anyway. So if you were to, again, I think the theory is that you would take these, like you said, plausible explanations and there's a non-zero amount of people that you're going to get into a, a cocktail party conversation with who are going to go, hmm, never thought of that before. And you're going to just go, yeah. my biases are confirmed. I am forever a libertarian and I will never think about the actual de de devastation that my ideology is going to create. <laughs> or, you know, the aspect of my ideology that has been accepted by the government uh, and uh, our society at large. And I'm going to toady and fucking chill for it and sort of be the be the um, the the moat argument of of the, you know, the whole neoliberal superstructure. Anyway, let's keep going. My point then was that if you're going to be against jobs lost, then you ought to also be against the other 97%. One thing you ought to do, for example, is quit buying on the Internet because you know what that 
what that has done, that has destroyed possibly, probably millions of jobs in the retail sector, or at least hundreds of thousands of jobs. So if you Oh no, the retail sector. <laughs> care about not destroying jobs, then be consistent in your behavior. And then what's the evidence of things unseen? The people who go to Walmart, mainly, by the way, the lower half of income receivers of the population are getting bargains because Walmart is, is basically selling them cheap imported goods. And so um, if you actually look at the benefits, uh, then the benefit. Does he actually, is he, I, I'm not sure what he's doing. He's very fast and loose, of course. But is he trying to say, like, don't shop online, go to Walmart? No, no, no. He's saying <laughs> if you are so concerned. I know, I know. With the devastation of free trade. Yeah. Um, he's saying they're hypocrites. If you shop at Walmart and buy cheap Chinese stuff. Yes, I know. And yeah. you're politically against NAFTA, you're a hypocrite. Which, by the way, it, does this whole be consistent? Fuck you. Like, maybe I like this and yeah. I don't like that. And Fuck I, off. And also, another thing is like, is like... How about I'm poor and I have to shop at Walmart? I don't have a mom and pop shop option or I live in fucking. I know you would never set your fucking web feet down here, Gene, but I live in the <laughs> middle of the fucking country and Walmart is the only game in town. There literally isn't another option or, or, well, or if, if Amazon Walmart wasn't there. I guess you'd be dead. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I should thank them then. Yes. Good point. <laughs> Walmart's seen and unseen. Yeah, <laughs> the the seen rednecks versus the unseen corpses. I suppose it's funny he brings up the seen and unseen because it's like, yeah, the scene is all of this devastation in these former industrial cities. But and the towns unseen and, is Jews getting really rich. <laughs> yeah, the unseen is imagine a world without uh, mass availability of dildos. I can't. I don't want to live in that world. And, and, you know, <laughs> pornography on the internet and, uh, it, well, I mean, what else, what else do we have? But, that we didn't I, maybe have? don't even evoke that because that is so obviously not bound by the rule, the laws of, of, of supply and demand. It's so obviously being supplied to everyone for free because of the fucking, the, uh, uh, uh caustic effect it has on society in general. <laughs> yeah. Imagine a world where, um, your town doesn't have, you know, 40% like third world population. Uh, it, you, you might not have that if we, um, if we didn't have these bombed out industries, it's like, it's like, what, what exactly unseen thing is he talking about? Well, maybe, just kind of, well, well just let's give him a second. It. He might start, he might say it now. He might say it now. Let's give him a moment. Benefits are enormous. Oh, However, are. I hasten to say that we Austrians are not utilitarians. There is no oh, okay. way no, to isn't. balance out benefits. You're right. He did just back away from that without actually showing what the, and that's, he the unseen says benefit again is. There in a less direct way, but that point where it's like, yeah. The, I'm an Austrian. I don't care yeah. how many people. Yeah, let me just let let me just play this again, and let, well, I'll let it play clean. Enormous. However, I hasten to say that we Austrians are not utilitarians. There is no way to balance out benefits and costs. I only say approximately. We're talking about uh, the, uh, the the pain to the hand relative handful of people who lose their jobs. Three percent of the population. Three percent of job losers. We're not talking about. Is that a new euphemism for white people? Job losers. <laughs> <laughs> 
the other 97%. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's a matter of ethics. Do people have a right to think for themselves about how they're going to spend their money? Do I have a right to buy from Walmart, even though Walmart is, is selling me products made by Chinese people? I happen to think that's a good thing to do because that's giving you very, very poor people better job opportunities than they otherwise would have gotten. Yeah, what so about that's the what, poor people in Germany, in post-war Germany, that you boycotted their cars? Because they were, I mean, post-1950s yeah. Germany What about was, their opportunities, Gene? Or what about the poor people in 1930s Germany? Yeah. Isn't it a good thing? I mean, uh, what if China was a, um openly anti-Semitic state? Would it still be a good thing to support, you know, the jobs of the poor people there? No, but it, and in fact, it would be... Uh, a, a matter of collective action against something that we all know to be wrong and unjust <laughs> to to boycott them in that in that case, of course. I feel like this era, well, this 2016 era is the last gasp of like China's not a problem. What are you retarded? Like, yeah, or, or just stepping over that. And now it's like such a joke. Like everybody thinks China's a problem, like yeah. the Democrats, the Republicans, like it, it, and Russia has gone in and out, you know, because of the collapse of the Soviet Union right. and different and Putin kind of, of playing ball for a little bit until he didn't and, and th things like that. But China has basically been, oh, oh, you silly, silly, silly. And then all of a sudden, like, we need to, you know, Biden's up yeah. there. We need to, you know, be bellicose against China. And everybody agrees. Yeah. And, and then not after we gave them the entire. Right. industrial sector that they have handed it to them with a fucking yeah with a white glove years. treatment yeah and then the other thing is too is they'll they now present this and this is the thing it actually gets me mad how much china comes up in discourse these days because it's like they'll be like the chinese running the film industry making all our movies bad and it's like wow this is you how many layers of ideology are you on brother <laughs> well maybe none they're just on like propaganda I yeah you're this. right yeah yeah i'm yeah. repeating this yeah good point but yes so to go back to what you said before he i guess he restates his his commitment to the principles of the of the free market thing and doesn't matter if line go down is kind of what his his sort of caveat here is the I, means determine the ends yes it's a it's a it's a necessary good that the free the market be free regardless of how that impacts anybody on either side of of any sort of uh a piece of commerce yeah like abraham lincoln said it's better for a hundred uh men to die than for one man to not be able to engage in free trade with whoever whomever he wants <laughs> right well it's better for a hundred or two hundred thousand men to die for me not to get that uh railroad um built <laughs> and my whole uh, wife's family become incredibly rich <laughs> uh all right so there is the there's the problem i mean you just stated it there would be people who would come along and say I don't feel like my job in this world is to make Chinese people Goyam's advocate, What Tom matters Woods. to me are the people who are closest to me, whom I have the most fraternal affection for. And those people would be people in my family, my neighborhood, and in a series of concentric circles. And the biggest of those circles is the U.S. of A. Uh, there is no circle outside of that. I couldn't care less what happens in Canada, Mexico, anywhere else in the world, China. I don't care. So... Hey, Tom, what if my circle was white people? I literally was just trying to f figure out a clever way to be like, but never erase my race. <laughs>
Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like somebody steps foot onto America and all of a sudden they're in my identity circle. Yes. It's like yeah. they, they scramble onto the onto the shores and it's like, oh, I just just gained by one. People yeah. I care about. <laughs> um, Abdul has joined my party. It's joined the chat. Yes. It's joined the, yes, has entered the chat. Yeah. Income of American middle class people. And you, Eugene, are saying... Another white euphemism. Again, yeah, job losers. That's what that's what white he's talking about. American middle class. Yeah. We're going to get cheap goods for them. But if they have no job or if they have a crummy burger flipping job, the cheap goods are just a wash at best. Well, the first answer, uh, as a libertarian and as an Austrian, which you and I... He's going to do it again. He's going to do it again. Uh, Tom, all these people is to say that just like my father would only buy an American car, uh, then I would tell Vox Day, by the way, who debated this Teddy issue Spaghetti. with uh, Bob Murphy, uh, establish a website, a competitor with Amazon, call it the Vox Day Buy American website, Amazon. and that will steer. Build your own Amazon. Yes, he literally did build your own Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> what an insane thing. For those who don't know, Amazon is as big as it is not because it's it provides cheap Chinese goods to you because there's a number of places for you to get cheap Chinese goods, um, including the aforementioned Walmart, by the way. But the reason why Amazon is so fucking huge is because it's essentially part of the U.S. government because it provides web service for all of the U.S. government. How do you compete with some? How do you build your own Vox Day Teddy Spaghetti dot com where you fucking where you can buy cheap Chinese goods or what at what happens? Whatever stupid fucking thought but experiment he he's doing, American. whatever fucking stupid thought experiment he's doing here, how could you do that, Gene? You couldn't. And then, of course, his is like, well, I don't think the government should do that, Scott. Mm. Well, neither me neither, Gene. <laughs> people into goods uh, that they might want to buy, which would only be made in the USA. Uh, and uh, I guess it would mean, for example, that you don't drink coffee anymore since it's grown abroad. But uh, but perhaps then somebody is going to respond and, and grow coffee at, at many times okay. the price Pause. that it would yeah. normally you be can't, privilege. You can't, <laughs> you can't grow coffee anywhere in America, I don't think. No, but even so, again, there, you know, Tom's going to Tom's not going to do it. Gene is really not going to do it. But what if your interest was white European people? So how about this? How about how about Gene and Tom? Can can I make the argument and would you boost it? Because, you know, free marketplace of ideas or whatever. Sure. Would you boost this argument of mine to white people as a whole? Let's all work together and, you know, we can trade with whoever that's fine, but let's just pref let's preferentially trade with each other and work as a collective because, you know, we have certain affinities and, and can sort of trust each other and have similar cultures in a lot of ways. Um, so, you know, there's white people in South Africa that could grow coffee. There's white True. people all over South America. You know, Uruguay is majority white. Yeah. Parts of Argentina. Lots of Argentina. Yeah. Southern Argentina is majorly. Parts of Brazil. The south of Brazil is, um, the, the north of Brazil is the real, like, like Nignog yeah. uh, area. Um, this is something I learned, like, within the past five years is how white and, of course, segregated to, yeah. to stay that way. Uh, a lot of South America is. Um, and also some Mexico, not so much Central America, from my understanding. Uh, Central America is more of like a 
just totally like mestizo African mix. Yeah, it's also like largely just like a fucking like spook like camp essentially it's all sort of just like all those countries are essentially uh puppet governments of the cia pretty much too and that could yeah. be part, part they made these things may not maybe related this is what i'm trying to say <laughs> is that you know when the american federal government especially post-world war ii gets involved in things say i'm looking at you nicaragua they end up becoming third world hellholes and also fucking racially mystery meat Right. So, yeah, so I guess I would just say, you know, they're making this um, like pure libertarian thing like, well, you know, you're free to make your own website that sources uh, American made goods to compete with whoever Amazon or whoever that sells goods from, you know, just whatever's the cheapest or whatever most convenient to ship. And um, but I think they would they wouldn't even deign to respond to because basically if that did happen so the, the their version can't happen that's what that's why they're proposing yes. it like yeah. where a person in america or vox day who, who's i guess in italy but whatever makes a website to compete with amazon that sources just american goods i mean it would it would probably be started actually by a jew where yes. like there'd be have to be a jew partner <laughs> yeah. and they would be cheating left and right and just labeling you know it would be like a black rifle coffee type thing yep um, you remember that? Oh yeah, uh, Ultra Patriot beer. Let's not forget that. It w- it turned out to be. Remember when the Bud Light uh, thing happened? Yeah. And I had a few people be like, "Hey, Fuck Bud Light." Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that song. oh my god, there was so much cringe that came out of that whole op. But um, yeah, and then so a company, of course, sprung up. Guess who owned it? By the way, somebody looked into it. Um, and it was called Ultra Patriot Light or whatever, and it turned out to be Bud Light inside of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can get Bud Light at a number of different places, yeah. including Patriot Light. <laughs> including a Patriot Light, yeah. Anyway, so let's get back to Gene's uh, pill pill. Grow it in the greenhouse. If you want a movement in that direction, do it. It is your perfect right to do so under the principles of libertarianism and under the basic uh, uh, notion of the Austrians, which is that people do not just spend their money in accordance with what is cheap. They have all kinds of other considerations in so doing. However, do not interfere with my right to disagree with you and to buy from Chinese people abroad who are desperately poor. Then, in terms of consequences, please understand that uh, that by probably how long how long is it going to be till that's just not the case where like their overall standard of living is just higher than ours because it, it's coming. <laughs> well, it'll be in my they lifetime. Have so many people. That True. It's Good just, point. It's just a different. Good point. Like, yeah, yeah. Some place like Mexico, some place like Canada or Mexico that has similar geography. You know, obviously different climates, but yeah, you know the way they're laid out and stuff is is more comparable to the contiguous United States than like a than China or right, you know, like an island country. Like you can't really compare. It's not apples to apples. So I I don't know if there's ever going to be a a straight up comparison where you can be like, okay, we've done it. Like the average Chang is now better off than the average yeah, burger. Good point. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I can see what you mean, especially I'm thinking about the way China is where it has like hubs sort of. And yeah. like in between, there's just like people who are like Ted pilled essentially too. Like they're literally <laughs> not, they're literally just like living in a shack and they don't know what a fucking electric light is probably. 
Um, but uh, yeah, so good point. I can't really, yeah, you can't really make that. Through your actions, you are costing many, many more jobs lost across the economy. Then also recognize that by opposing companies like Walmart, you are denying people of limited means the opportunity to buy cheap goods. But at the end of the day, utilitarianism cannot resolve this matter. Uh, the only thing that can resolve this matter is that you, is your right to exercise. Or there's two things that can resolve this matter. Yeah. Your <laughs> principle or the principle of trying to give uh, paternalistic fucking fealty towards people that you choose. Right, or or nationalism. That's what Actual, I mean. Like that's what I mean. Feel, yeah. Give fealty to someone who is is in your fucking your identity group, as it were. And by the way, I mean you could have you could have a policy to help people of lower means get necessary consumer goods in a country. I mean this this is done all the time. Yeah. And they were oh you can't do that. It's like you can do whatever you want. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if we don't want the whole country to be sort of under the, because another thing is, I mean, even just outside of the types of politics you've already commented on, maybe it's not great to have companies that are so big that they have a location in literally every town in your country <laughs> and could just, to the extent that they they are, they themselves, the boards or owners or whatever are independent actors can themselves threaten your country's security Yeah, and, and sort of hold hostage uh, things items, uh, you know, yeah. yeah. A consumer, a consumer, or you know, uh, not even consumer goods, because like things like food are is hardly a consumer good. Something that you need to serve food or water per se, or say. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it's a consumer's good. It's just it's not a leisure consumer's good. Fair enough. I, but I mean, like, it, it, there's a point where like literal necessities, like power or something, but that's still that, that, that I mean, it's Engrid or fucking, uh, you know, there's, there's companies that are in the entire country that are like electric or utility suppliers everywhere in the fucking country. And mm. to that end, like they could, I mean, whatever the point is, is, it's, but they're actually regulated. That's true. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> Which kind of, yeah, so, so I mean, Gene can, maybe he, that should be the stick up his ass, like, next week is, <laughs> we need to, you know, we need to get Enronify all of the, yeah. all of the power grid. Yeah. So true. Your free choice. I can only lay out the options for you and tell you that that is not the way I exercise my right to free choice because of the reasons that I outlined. However, if you think you can persuade people to have values in this regard, certainly Donald Trump seemed to have uh, have caught an impulse among people to be super patriotic. Certainly, Vox Day made it very clear that he is a nationalist. Uh, that's his value. Fine. I would only tell him he's not a libertarian uh, and he has the right, however, to push his nationalism as far as he wants, as far as he can possibly persuade people to go along with it. I have some questions that aren't just devil's advocate questions that are more. Let's elaborate on the argument. But there's one more I want to throw at you. And here it is. I've heard the argument that. The replacement jobs that people get when they get displaced from their current employment because of free trade, and, and you point out that the number there is actually quite small, but let's say, all right, they get displaced from their job. It isn't. Jobs. Yeah, the we jobs should comment that, on that. Yeah. I, I, I really wanted to find 
where he was getting those numbers from because there, I'm on the page right now. So I'll keep talking, but I'm going to scroll and see if I can find there it. has got to be something weird akin to at least the way how we were just talking about how GDP is a bullshit number because it measures right. like the the $10 a month some bitch gets from somebody on OnlyFans the same way as like $10 right. worth of oil right. being pumped out. Yes. Those are the same things. At least that amount of bullshit has to be in the number that only 3% of job losses are from, uh, you know, outsourcing. Yeah. I and I mean, to the extent that that's even anywhere near the correct number, we're talking 3% of like vital industrial infrastructure jobs. And perhaps, I mean, is he saying net? Like we gained, you know, we gained... Uh, this many barista jobs to make up for like this many car manufacturing or like steel, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, union jobs, yeah. And I'm, I'm on the article, by the way, here. There's literally no figures on it anywhere in here. And the only thing sort of indicating that he has any sort of awareness whatsoever, it says, critics respond by accusing me and my ilk <laughs> of lack of New compassion for those <laughs> his ilk uh, for lack of compassion for those who lose their jobs when people exercise their right to take their business to any market they choose I wonder if these same folks have any qualms about buying online so he does the same argument there's no figures in here and it's kind of laughable that this was used as a um, this was used as a uh, like a reference on the, on the Tom Woods page for being like, oh, this is the article we discussed. There's no article. There's nothing to be just discussed in here. It's just another restatement of of libertarian uh, prax. Uh, uh, well, Gene writes opinion pieces that true. sometimes contain facts, factual. Yeah. yeah. And, but also the thing about um, when I was when I brought up the principle of the collective action problem, what I meant was you that he says. Uh, if you really care about losing jobs, you know, don't shop at Amazon, don't shop online, go to your local whatever shop. This is so they, the Jews, they always set this situation up where when it comes to um, preserving, you know, something that, that they don't care about, it's up to the individual. So it's up to the individual person to not look at porn. Right. There's no way to control that. It's up to the individual to not avail themselves of available drugs on the street. It's up to the individual to not do anything else. But, you know, the t we can't possibly consider limiting the presence of vices. And we also can't possibly consider planning an economy such that the individual doesn't have to look at how they could get the same fucking product for $5 less on yeah. Amazon and choose each time, every time, not just each person. So each person has to choose each time yeah. to pay more. But what happens when Jews want something? Do they all have to individually decide or do they lobby the government? How about, here's a great example of this. Um, as far as, Okay, so if you recall, there was a time semi-recently where they were doing, uh, where they were debating getting rid of uh, daylight savings time. Um, yeah. And this was, this. I don't need to say this to anyone in America. This is an extremely, extremely popular sentiment. <laughs> like, literally every person in the country is anti-fucking daylight savings time. I, I'm sure, by the way, they do it in other countries, too. I'm sure that they, it is this much the same in other countries. 
I think most people just assume there's a good reason for it and just go, wow, it's so dumb, but I guess there has to be a good reason for it. And then if they look into it and find out that there isn't. Well, there is a reason for it, by the way, because, again, it did come up in in Congress. um, And uh, it turns out that it had gotten through Senate and it was in Congress and a pack of Orthodox Jews spent 10 of Gene's ilk spent 10 million dollars on lobbying various mostly Republican Congress people to uh, to you know sign a thing that said they wouldn't sign it so it didn't even advance to the second layer second uh, round of voting and the reason exercise their individual yeah liberty no they they did in fact yes and uh they didn't because they were uh there was commerce coming their way <laughs> no i mean the jews exercised oh, oh i see what you're saying i thought you meant the congress people yes there was Free commerce to bribe. yes That's a milton friedman <laughs> and the reason by the way it's not that there's like some sort of serious religious you know reason that the time has to change or at least this is what they say anyway but they say it's inconvenient for at some times of the year, their morning prayer to coincide coincide with um, <laughs> with rush hour traffic, um, yeah. and therefore it's inconvenient to an immensely, immensely, infinitesimally small group of people in the country, and therefore all of us have to suffer with this ludicrous fucking thing. Which arguably a lot I've seen some science to that indicates that it's bad for us that we switch times, switch sleep schedules like this. By the way, yeah, and I mean the where's the green people with like the you know the um energy usage of yeah. like or where's the hell earthy crunchy healthy people too? Where like yeah. well that's how bad for your heart to do to change your time you wake up in the morning. Um, there's so many, there's so many conceivable, uh, interest groups who could, who would want to stop that, but just one that has the ability to do it. (laughs) I mean, it's just such a perfect illustration. It couldn't be a more popular thing to get rid of that. But anyway, let's move on. They get in response in, in, in after that are all very, are all low income. They're burger flipping type jobs and, or the, the jobs are so high tech that a high school graduate can't do them. And so this led Gary North to say when he was asked, uh, you know, what are low skilled people going to do in the future, this robotic future? What are they going to do in this future of free trade and everything? And his answer was less. Do you have a less grim outlook than that, Gene? Well, uh, I think no. I do. Um, uh, I, again, first want to emphasize uh, something uh, that surprises people, uh, but uh, it, uh, it, it actually it should be fairly evident in people who read the economic news and who track unemployment insurance claims. Uh, in the 1950s, a million people a month filed for new unemployment insurance claims. That was in the 1950s before trade, uh, international trade was very large. In fact, the U.S. had had an even balance of trade in merchandise uh, trade in the 1950s, and yet a million people uh, filed for new unemployment uh, unemployment insurance claims every month. Uh, in the recent period, the Bureau of Labor Statistics has been tracking it even more carefully, tracing um, uh, jobs destroyed uh, to firms that downsize, tracing it to bankruptcies, and they find that it's been running, again, about a million a month. Uh, 
on a yearly basis. In the by the way, in the short run, it's even bigger, but it's about a million people a month. Now, I took the largest possible. That's it. We can clean our hands of it. It's been the same since the 1950s. Yeah, I, I was going to let him cook to finish okay, the plan, well, I spurned the estimates that were more careful from peer-reviewed research about jobs lost to foreign trade over the last 15 years. And I took the left-wing Economic Policy Institute's estimates, and then I raised them by a certain amount. And I found that on an annual basis, <laughs> the number of people who Six lost million. their jobs to foreign trade was the approximate equivalent, a little bit larger than one week's worth of new unemployment insurance claims. However, if it's concentrated I think we can pause now. Yeah. And also just in that so, last breath he was just minimizing. He was just re- previously referring it to a million and then he goes, "But it's just a week's amount. It's a million jobs. I mean, it's a million lives hanging in the balance. But yeah, it's well, just a week." I don't know if he's actually this stupid. I'm starting to think that maybe he doesn't understand um certain aspects of science and like reading scientific papers and sort of being able to analyze what what the fuck people are talking about. But to just say, okay, in the 1950s economy, the number was this. And in the 21st century economy, the number is basically the same and, you know, effectively less because the population is more new unemployment. Why did he use that? It's an insane thing because one can imagine, and I'm sure that the numbers, the outcomes, because in order to compare uh, job losses, because what we're talking about here is not is a a situation like the the thing the bubble in people's minds when we're talking about jobs lost to outsourcing or to uh, free trade is like a guy can get a decent breadwinner job out of high school now he can't. He lost the job at the plant. Yeah. That's what they mean. And he can't get it back. And he has to be like um, a night guard, some shitty part-time job and, and and try to make ends meet. He makes less money. He's not unionized. You know, that kind of thing, like a total step down in um, standard of living for a whole class of people. New unemployment claims is just a transitory number. It yeah. could me- it means nothing because th- what are the outcomes of those claims? Because at different decades, at different times of the same year, the num- every employment claim will have a certain amount, uh, you know, a-, a time period till they find new employment. Right. And what is further, that? Further, there's an end of months you can claim for uh for these and then i assume a lot of people will get another job and then you know get fired or whatever get laid off again and then be unemployed again too it just it completely is is nihilistic towards all of these very real realities that we all know and we've all lived through by the way but not just nihilistic i mean he's lying with these numbers because you can imagine that two very different economies would have the same new unemployment numbers. Yeah. And in one of them, every month, those same million new people stay on unemployment for, say, a year. Whereas in the other healthier economy, there's also every month a million new unemployment right. claims. But nearly all of them find new comparative there's employment, so say, much, in two months. There could be so much variance in between those two economies, too, in every way. Yeah, that number means absolutely nothing. In fact, I actually have a a biological analogy. Like I remember being shown this paper in graduate school that they started giving um, to see about uh, muscle loss in elderly people. Mm-hmm. Um, they would they were giving TRT to uh, to see if that would 
you know, slow down or reverse muscle loss in older people, I guess men specifically. And the theory was it would slow down breakdown of muscle, but it actually didn't. There was more breakdown of muscle in the group getting the testosterone replacement, but they had more reforming of muscle. So mm -hmm. what young people have that don't have a net loss of muscle tissue is they have a higher turnover and actually older people as your metabolism slows down. And this is the same for bone tissue as well, but muscle tissue is more responsive to steroids. Um, the turnover rate goes down. So the breakdown is less, but the rebuilding is even lesser. Mm. So you use, and, and also just the lack of breakdown. So like, think you know these tissues become they have senescence after a while so if you have a lower turnover rate there's a certain point where like the actual muscle fibers will be weaker because they've just been sitting around for longer and they yes. have like proteins that are messed up in them and this is directly analogous to an economy you can have the same amount of job destruction in two economies one of them is actually a healthy dynamic yeah. economy with a lot of creation yeah. and the other one isn't or you could even have one economy that only loses, you know, same population, one economy only loses half a million, the other loses a million a year. But in the one that loses a million, they all get better jobs the next month. Yeah. Or, sorry, a month. Think about the, the industrial one, revolution. Yeah. I'm sure the fucking new job losses was massive. But just think about that. There's not like anyone during the industrial revolution couldn't find a job. Because there's all yeah, kinds of new, new industries are being born. Yeah, fair enough. But I'm just trying to illustrate the fact, like new industries, competing industries that do mm -hmm. the same thing. Um, there's, there, there's just no coherence between uh, economies like that. And then and then use and to you that would use new job losses as some sort of health measure. So I I actually so I'm really torn on whether Gene is so dumb that he doesn't get that this one number without uh contextualizing orbiting numbers is fucking meaningless and actually miss at worst or at best meaningless at worst misleading or if he's actually it's hard for me to believe that he would actively look at a chart of numbers and pick the one that makes his argument best and just leave out the rest and go on top with <laughs> use that one. It's hard for me to believe he's actually doing that. So I think he may have just somehow thought in his mind or, or, you know, cause he believes a priori that his position is correct. So right. whenever you're in that situation, you find anything that supports your position. You, you think that's Cling the, the cat's it, yeah. pajamas. Yeah. So I don't know, but that's just, I mean, that's really egregious. Um, and it's silly and it doesn't, it doesn't really say anything. Uh, and also, you know, one last thing about the jobs. I think it's undeniable now that we are in a stagnating West because when I was younger, um, Republicans would often be like, you know, you guys have all these opportunities. You know, they would kind of like, oh, we were uphill both ways. But there were some people, a lot of people that were like kind of blue dog Democrats I remember I worked with this one guy uh, at a chemical plant. I was a, a quality control tester or whatever for a chemical process mm -hmm. uh, in between undergrad and graduate school. And this guy, he um, he had gotten a job at this plant, like out of high school. You know, he did not even have a college degree. Mm -hmm. 
And he was like, yeah, I, I could, cause I was saying, oh, I'm leaving soon, you know, to another job and then going to graduate school. And he's like, oh, that's great, man. Like I could never leave here. Cause I could never find an equivalent salary anywhere else. Cause I don't have a college degree. And, and then he kind of started going on about it. And I had, I, I was uh, you know, like really young. I had only had a couple jobs out of college and, you know, I was on my way to graduate school. So I didn't really relate to this kind of blue collar attitude. And I didn't understand what he was saying on a like gut level. But he was saying, oh, when I was a kid, man, like when I was your age or a little bit younger, there were just jobs everywhere. Like he's talking about the 80s, you know, yeah. like, or, or even the late 70s. Like you could get out of high school if you were smart, you know, you could get get a starter job and work your way up. And you know what I mean? Like do shit like buy a house yeah. at, like in your 20s, you know, but with just a high school. Um, and this is this was a common thing. And that is fucking gone. Yeah. And people, you know, the boomers wanted uphill both ways when I was a kid. I guess forever talk about that shit, but I think a lot of them are going to have to start admitting like there is a qualitative difference yeah. in the lifestyle, um, you know, the purchase, uh, purchasing parity power yeah, 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 uh, yeah. for, for work. I have a um, very liberal grandmother, um, on my mom's side who, um, was, was the first older person I've ever met who actually said it's a lot harder for you guys than it was for us. And I was just like, you don't know how nice it is to hear that from you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's I was like, like when a Republican hears a black guy say, I don't hate white people. Yes, it's like, oh. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. A baby boomer just said, hey, we had it easier than your kid. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to be the keynote speaker at my uh, white nationals? Yeah. <laughs> What do you call a boomer that admits they have it better yeah. at a uncle than- and uncle? Um, um, ah, fuck. So you know that you know that joke like what do you call the black guy at CPAC keynote oh, speaker? A keynote yeah, speaker. What, what, right. do you, what do you call the boomer that admits they were privileged at a white nationals debate? Uncle Boomer. Speaker? Well, he's an uncle boomer. Yeah. yeah. She she was an unc- being an uncle boomer and just totally yeah. fucking <laughs> selling out her general cohort to me. <laughs> All right, let's get back to it. We got a lot of ground to cover. I guess people are more aware of it. It's concentrated in a particular community. So my point then was, what about the other 97%? What kind of hypocrisy is it on the part of people who will shift their income expenditures, who will abandon the deli on the corner because they don't like the sandwiches, or who will buy from Amazon and not go to the uh, to the local bricks and mortar store and destroy jobs, and yet they think they're so concerned about those people who lose jobs uh, to foreigners. Now, in particular, to get to your question about um, what people do when they lose their jobs, there is a, there is a great deal. Of, the research, by the way, is very, very misty about this. People just talk in broad brush strokes about where people go who actually want to seek opportunities uh, to do something else. But if we're talking about uh, a million people a month who lose their jobs, by the way, in the in the late 1990s, it was actually 1.3, 1.4 million against a smaller base, and yet job creation. Insane that he's trying to say it was worse than the 90s. Well, see, he now. says, and yet job creation. See, let him finish that. Was enormous. We find that when the economy yeah, okay, is even why? more dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's because NAFTA hadn't passed. <laughs> Wait, he's, so he's saying he's actually making kind of like a dumb. He's like making that anti-argument. He's saying. What he's basically saying is, I think he might be assuming that somebody coming at him with 
this is bad for jobs is using the jobs loss numbers. And then he's turning around and saying, but look, jobs loss numbers have been pretty steady right, and they right. were even higher in the 90s. And what matters is job creation. So he's saying that, but he's actually not saying that he's saying that he's kind of weirdly presenting the job loss numbers. He's doing a weird like contextual thing where it's it's kind of inside baseball. Yeah. Um, where he's stepping over. But yeah, I mean, maybe when there wasn't free trade and there was national economies, there is uh, a similar loss of a similar number of new unemployment applicants every month, but that doesn't equal the same amount of yeah. uh, long-term unemployment. That doesn't equal the same amount of underemployment. That doesn't uh, equal the same amount of inferior employment, like losing, you know, right. the high paying factory job and, and getting burger and being, flipping jobs with this. So by the way, they're also engaging in this thing that like kind of pisses me off is it's starting to more and more piss me off as I get older, which is like, it's engaging in this sort of Finkel think kind of thing where it's like, Hey, listener, I'm going to like shit on this, like lower class, like retail job. And you're going to sit here and feel good about yourself that you don't have one. And that's going to be sort of in the background when we have this conversation as that you we're going to sort of pat you on the back as having figured it out more so than the average schmuck. Therefore, you, you know, you're you're just a temporarily embarrassed billionaire. So therefore, you know, you're having the ideology of another another millionaire. It's right for you to have that, you know. But I mean, that's the other thing is that that's not the reality. I'm sure there's hundreds and hundreds or there's I'm sure there's thousands, single thousands of people listening to the Tom Woods show who literally flip burgers for a living. Or equivalent service. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jobs. Yeah. But I mean, I'm, I think I bet there's literal burger flippers, too. I was just. Yeah, but I, it is true that that for somebody that's not. And not to insult anybody, but for somebody that's not stupid, that is a transitory position. Of course. So like, so it, it, to the extent that there's burger flippers in the Tom Woods audience, they're probably not still burger flippers. I'm sure. In the year 2023. But, 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 yeah. but what I said before, though, is is true, is he's trying to engage in this sort of um, like like blue collar, like middle class chauvinism, if you will. Where it's like, it's like, well, fuck those fucking losers who can only get a burger flipper job. You're smart and you figured it out. So this is why this is your ideology. And it sort of redoubled. I, I, I definitely felt that. I definitely felt felt that way prior when listening to this kind of content where it's like, it's like, yeah, smart guys like me figured it out. You know, I, I'm not trying to like paint myself as like a fucking total libertarian villain here. But, you know, this is there's something su subtly psychological going on with the way that they keep talking about it like that, in my opinion. Well, I feel I feel like what it is, is they're saying um, these policies don't cause more people to have burger flipping jobs like burger flipper is going to flip and the economy is actually more dynamic. Right. And if you're worth your um you know your salt or whatever you can get a better job than that and people that get stuck in that job suck yes like without that's saying what i mean it, they're basically yeah. saying it's not the economy's fault 
Like, <laughs> fuck your small burger. Yeah. <laughs> more people lose their jobs and more people go into other jobs. Uh, in terms of the research about what happens to people who lose their jobs, the one thing that we can indeed be sure of is that the same thing that happened to me when I lost my job from the New York Stock Exchange is that I started <laughs> Barron's at a low. Oh, my God. This is the most insane thing. Yes. This is comparable. A guy with fucking six kids living in a trailer park just lost his job working at the fucking Toyota fact uh, plant and now has to work fucking greeting or no he's got to work overnights unloading the trucks at Walmart and that's the same thing as when Gene lost his job at the New York Stock Exchange and had to stoop down to the lowly position of writing for the fucking largest financial fucking journal in the country right I wonder how he got that too wow just wow that's what I have to say. <laughs> and indeed, anybody who loses, by and large, people lose their jobs, start at lower salaries. But the burger flipping um, uh, image that is uh, invoked uh, does not, probably does not capture the reality about someone who really does search for a job. Uh, the uh, If you search for a job, you can drive for Uber. Uh, you can yes, do that 15 uh, hours a week. Uh, there is Where you have no, you're indemnified to basically take Take, you're you're doing a job for a multi-billion dollar corporation, but you if anything goes wrong, it's your fault. That you have absolutely no coverage whatsoever. If a cr a criminal utilizes your service and murders you, um, you have no uh, uh, there's no like health insurance, despite the fact that you're being charged by the government if you don't have it. Um, there's no way it's it's also the split between the company and the driver themselves. Besides, despite the fact that that's the entire service and you have to provide your own car to the service is absurd um and then but 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 that's just the free market that's what gene would say that's you voluntarily decided to take this yeah, you slave don't have to do it. you don't have to become it yeah except that i literally was just saying oh you can do this other terrible it's fucking obscene it's obscene that they to, it's literally the way, barely not chattel slavery to work as a gig worker yeah um as I said before about this era, you know, with with the China naivete, yeah, um, or I sh it's just strategic nihilism, I guess. Yes. Um, this was also an era when the bloom was not yet off the rose for the gig app True. economy. True. Yeah. Uh, especially libertarian, like Jeff Tucker was just like jerking off about how great every new, you know, have a poor person deliver you your food. Yep or deliver you yeah. physically somewhere app that came out. And um, I would say those guys would have a hard time not getting laughed off the stage, speaking positively of, of the, yeah. the gig app work economy. Now it's been exposed as such a corrosive element in general. And also it's another thing that you, it's almost like infectious where you can see other industries become Uberized essentially and um now it's that that genie is second wave of yeah. deindustrialization yeah and that genie's out of the bottle now we all know too and so to 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 actually sit here and jack off about how fucking great it is is like the most out of touch i mean again he they don't know yet they don't know and when these things when these things start it's kind of like um 
when anything starts, it usually like even even something like Google, right? It provide it's it's much better. And then once it gets a certain amount of market share, whether it's a particular product or it's like an idea in right. the space, yeah, then it starts to Google. Squeeze. Yeah, Google did this. Yeah, it starts to it, it masks all. It slowly takes its mask off and squeezes. So Uber was actually probably you know depending where you lived and stuff, there was probably some situations where you could you know work some extra hours or you get laid off for a few months and you could actually make some pretty good money. Yeah. You might've even had a better policy in terms of helping you out with the maintenance and things like that. And then they just slowly, um, as traditional taxi companies are destroyed and as things change and they become ubiquitous, yeah, um, they slowly squeeze until it's, you know, now it's like just barely, and, you know, as the Austrians would say is optimal, just barely worth doing it. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. Not no an inch, not an ounce of fat on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, where were we? In fact, uh, there are plenty of jobs out there, plenty available. Uh, again, no, you, there's the, not. The, the, the image. <laughs> I mean, there actually are of, jobs. Of a, That's the other thing, too. The, again, this is kind of goes back to what we were talking about before about this, how this discussion is so poorly aged, where it's like, yeah, the jobs are out there and they're paying more than they ever have, but it's still not fucking worth it. That's what America has largely decided, by the way. The job market is extremely fucking t uh, loose. Is it loose or tight that the, the pay is high? Loose. loose. Uh, sorry, no, tight. Tight, tight, yeah. Um, the, the job market is extremely tight in spite of in that. In terms of employers finding, it, yeah. it, it's the direction which you say whether it's loose or tight. Okay, so fair for enough. For employers yeah. finding employees, it's tight. Yeah. There's not people, yeah. But for shit jobs, but still, for good jobs, it's still yeah. the proportion of people working. And then again, they they tar they trot out this like new employment stats and new jobs that, and it's like doesn't matter that th th it's this America has answered, and it's still not worth it to work at these fucking slavery borderline slavery positions, in spite of the fact that for the on the employer side, the 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 uh, job market is so tight. Yeah. And there's, and it's not just the money. It's not even just that, you know, cities are unlivable and, and crime and stuff like that. It's even, I believe things as abstract as, um, well, the, the one that's an easier sell is just dropping morality. Like people don't right. feel like, Oh, I need to have a job to have self-worth, yeah. especially minorities because they're already the most important person in the world. Um, but the, the idea when you're living in a country, um, it's kind of like, you know what they say about like Scandinavian socialism and how it works because of the homogeneity and how mm -hmm. people won't take advantage of it the way they might in America right. because of the heterogeneity. It's like that. It's like when you, when you, you know, live in a society, people, we're living in a society, people, right? So, something naturally fires in your head where you want to contribute, right? And that is part of the value of living in a society, and it's part of just there's human There's something nature. about when you go to Japan and you see that there's no garbage anywhere that makes you not want to litter. And there's something that made them create that society in yes. the first place. Yes. And, and something just, that largely hasn't been fucked with yet, and shortly yeah, and will be, by the way. if you just removed or replaced 50% of their population with Africans, that would disappear overnight. Literally, very quickly, yeah. And it doesn't matter if the laws were the same. It doesn't even matter if the punishment for litter was greater. <laughs> it would still start to fall apart. People would take less, because you know, Japanese, they take a lot of pride. Yeah. They sort of have that corny. I mean, I, I shouldn't even say it's corny as a, as a it's millennial. It's just different. It's just different. 
yeah, as a person of, you know, white person and from America of my age, it feels corny to have pride in a menial job, but actually that's pretty cool, I guess. And it's certainly good for society Yeah, to just feel like you're contributing, um, in any way. And, and also, yeah, the, the collective pride, like the libertarian shit on this so much, like, Oh, you're such a, you're such a loser in your personal life that you have to say, our we went to the moon when it was really, you know, yeah. NASA and the, and it's like, dude, fuck you. Like the nations do, you know, the, the tribes do work together. And, and, uh, if you're part of a nation that creates a rocket that takes someone to the moon and you were doing agriculture in that nation, like you, I think you do, you know, have a certain claim to um, that collective effort. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's at least up for the fucking debate and it's not. And it also another thing is like, aren't libertarians, Mr. Fucking let, let live and let live. Why do you have to suddenly become a cunt about how people feel about how to express their feelings about something? You know what I mean? Well, like, because they say it leads to statism. Fuck you. <laughs> I mean, my response is the market chooses statism. I actually said that to uh, a group that I used to be in and they fucking lost their shit. It was like, I used that like Pikachu shocked face yeah. uh, meme <laughs> yeah. to like libertarians when the market chooses, chooses. Yeah. like yeah, socialism or nationalism. Yeah. And they were like, that's not the market then. And they, they, <laughs> the rain was very profound. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's let's we're, we're getting pretty good. Of a sort of a bipolar economy in which there are no decent jobs, no decent jobs in construction, no decent jobs in driving cars and driving trucks. All of that is way exaggerated. And so, indeed, people suffer. But again, if you're concerned about people suffering, why don't you stop consuming from uh, from Amazon? Because you should be concerned about the 97 percent of, the, of the job losers who lose their mm -hmm. jobs for reasons other than foreign trade. You should bear in mind, again, that the trade deficit is 3% of GDP. And indeed, on top of that, you should bear in mind that foreign trade creates jobs through all kinds of channels. The U.S., by the way, because of globalization, has an enormous surplus in services trade. And now, of course, that tends Why to be high-end, but, but actually... Could it have something to do with the fact that uh, low, it's cheaper to hold de debt than it is to hold cash gene is that what is that possibly why <laughs> this also sort of reminds me of something that william talked about in the show a while ago where he was in morrison's which is like kind of a lower class um grocery store and they have you know they have like the voiceovers in the store or whatever and he was like triggered by one because first of all he's in the store and he said something like the the voiceover was like we don't uh, care enough about where our food comes, and that's why this planet is in crisis. <laughs> like that was like and it's like the most insulting thing it's like first of all i'm in your store and you're trying to act like it's some fucking failing on my part that i don't care enough isn't that literally your job is to care about where the food comes from no 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 it's the customer who's wrong am i really so out of touch morrison's <laughs> it's yeah, absurd can the customer can the customer express their care 
and can they the make any difference in this by the way too yeah, but i mean specifically like like the you know this whole thing will oh everybody has to individually oh right okay yeah 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 shop differently well why can't we just because frankly i mean anybody who's ever you know stopped looking at porn or stopped being addicted to this or that or stopped going to parties where they would yeah. you know hang out with friends that took drugs and stuff it's hard all of these things and, by the way i've done <laughs> yeah and everybody everybody maybe not everybody but i'm willing to bet the vast majority of people would agree that there should be thing it, it would be nice if you could have an option to take the thing away to take your choice away yeah because i've had that thought at least at least yeah. it's in it's the impulses there every individual act of will it like takes energy you know like if like like you couldn't quit cigarettes and change your diet and go to the gym all at the same time right. because there's just there's it's only so much. many things you can yeah I, I uh I I uh talked about it plenty of times on the show but in early in, in 20 whatever I fucked the year but it was a, a number of years ago I had was having trouble drinking I'm now almost 3 years sober but um I was having trouble problems drinking and I ended up in a detox facility and they encouraged you to smoke and eat to excess Smoke ciggies and eat to excess because, and they said this very, very plainly, you're busy dealing with that right now. Don't try and f whatever it takes to help you do that is good for you. And I kind of agree, by the way, mm -hmm. <laughs> to some degree, like definitely fucking, uh, definitely not thinking about that definitely helps you focus on the thing that you're really trying to conquer. But that's another conversation, obviously. Right. And just the idea that libertarians, they they really hate the idea of people getting together to go, OK, we want a society where this isn't even an option because we think it's just bad for people. And we're making a collective choice as a people that we don't even want, for example, like. Um, yeah, like pornography on the Internet or drug, a certain drug like this is going to be a serious fucking crime to sell. Yeah. Um, you know, like fentanyl or something specifically fentanyl. Yeah on the street you know like this is going to be like um a capital punishment crime you know something like that uh i'm willing to bet most people like if i was able to be put on national tv and made that argument it would get voted for which is why it never will be on the ballot yeah <laughs> um, i mean all of these things like no pornography on the internet no um i mean prostitution i'm actually kind of like a little agnostic on that uh obviously there's that the human trafficking aspect of it yeah. should be fully, fully, fully uh, cracked down on in a vicious, vicious way. But um, in terms of actually policing, whether, you know, a, a woman. I think we should try with not doing it for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might not be the worst experiment to run. I just think it would be it would be actually kind of impossible to to police it, you know, Good because point. It, yeah, because it's like you take a girl. I mean, it, people can just. You know, I mean, what's what's even a date where you take a girl out for a three hundred dollar dinner and then. Right. Yes, I know. You know what I mean? Like, so. But but the, the human thing, trafficking aspect just of not it to, is, not to get too off topic. I was like discussing this with a friend the other day where I was saying, like, I'm like, I don't see any reason why gambling should be legal, in my opinion. Um, there's no like there's no argument you can make other than it's fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> as far as how it, you know, shakes out for society. But I can't see a world in which it's also same reason you said I don't see how it could be enforced because how do you police people fucking playing poker in a room 
like at, at yeah, somebody's well, I house. I do think maybe we could. Um, I, I'm not an expert on the regulations and how many things are, but I think that's something that you could maybe make the casino culture and right. the whole big. Yeah, thing again, of it. You, I, I was risking getting off topic here, and yes, yeah. <laughs> that's a whole conversation we can have. But of course, yeah, a, yeah. a handful of people that personally know each other doing yeah how could you believe it literally could never happen exactly and also i don't think that that's that's not harmful either yes exactly yeah that could be harmful if for many people yeah could people's lives could be ruined over that sort of thing yeah of course that's not the um that's not what i'm talking about when i say fish yeah exactly it's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about like fucking these multi multi million dollars like that are pumped into these people's fucking uh uh you know inheritance is getting pumped into a fucking penny slot machine by their boomer grandparents you know (laughs) that's what i'm talking about um, yeah (laughs) that are just being like sort of dopamine yeah uh, literally into, using mk yeah. ultra fucking techniques in order to get them to fucking yeah. piss away their fucking uh retirements organizing um <laughs> yeah. elderly bus trips to the lose your money yeah, factory, factory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah all right all right back to where we were a huge part of service trade services trade is tourism people do come to the u.s and tourism by and large is employment for 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 people of limited means is low level employment uh there are jobs available now of course when you mention robots tom that opens up a whole new question about what's going to happen the main thing i would have to tell people who, who are so concerned about robotics is that for all practical purposes wants are infinite and that you know 100 110, 130 years ago, if I were to tell you that the 60 to 70 this to 80 percent of the people and I also don't even agree f- with it, by the way. <laughs> it's just it's just so fucking tired. It's like, yeah, yeah, once they're infinite and also created by yeah. marketing and they're created by yeah. propaganda. Yeah. Yeah. And and to say that they're all equal, he, what's what he's smuggling in there is the idea that like the want for ag- basic agricultural products like food right is morally and necessary you know as a necessity equivalent to the want of uh um funko pops or <laughs> you know rainbow right. dildos or whatever yeah or Nietzsche, like, oh, we've, yeah. we've taken care of the 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 agriculture oh we've taken care of the basic industrial product now it's time to get to yeah you know, now it's time the to get to fucking tapioca alien egg implantation sex toy. <laughs> <laughs> now, now it's time to get to the fucking uh, developing new <clears throat> sex in the city penny slot machines for the boomers. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I don't even want to engage really with his robotic shit, because by the way, this it's currently not debunked by time, but it will be too, by the way. That's well, the other what thing. I would say is this is just an aspect of like, fuck your bugaboo consistency bugaboo yeah like what if what if the society right like again like if if somebody could just get in front and, and make this argument and see what people actually you know have a referendum or something like okay we're going to keep a certain amount of manual labor in this you know right. we're going to not roboticize this yeah but we're going to roboticize that well, this, like he's this about to use the important. he's about to use a anecdote about. Um, oh, I'll let him give it Milton to Milton Friedman. Yeah, about Milton Friedman. Oh, By it, the way, it's just so fucking funny. It's going to shrink to one percent uh, in a hundred hundred twenty years from now. I guess those who are concerned about that robotic works. replacement of labor would also be predicting mass unemployment. Uh, the fact of the matter is that if wants are for all practical. 
Oops. And if we allow uh, the market to operate, there will be plenty of jobs for all. Although there may indeed be a two, uh, instead of a two-day weekend, a three-day weekend. Maybe that will happen as well, which is, of course, also part of the evolution of work over the last 100, 120 years. Uh, people worked 50, 60 hours a week, and now they work 40, 41 hours a week. So that happens, too. There's a labor-leisure trade-off. But the idea that robotics are something new uh, strikes me as a historical. Uh, robotics, uh, robots have been replaced labor to one degree or another for many, many years. Uh, let me throw in the Milton Friedman anecdote about go. his observation of an Egyptian project in which the diggers, the, the workers were using... Why was he near Egypt? Yeah, I always thought that this was a South American... For some reason, I thought this was in Chile. Yeah, it would make more was, sense. He was an advisor to I was just going to make a joke that he was, you know, just right next door to Egypt, so he might as well stop by. <laughs> he was free to choose his yeah. uh, vacation. Yes. Hand shovels, and he said, "Why are they using hand shovels rather than steam shovels?" And the bureaucrat in charge said, "Well, this is a oh, oh, not just a program for greater infrastructure; it's a job-producing program." And of course, Friedman's quip was, "Well, then they shouldn't be using shovels; they should be using spoons if you want to produce more jobs from this project." The the, the economy is not in, in in the business of producing jobs. There should be in a decently functioning economy plenty of jobs for all. And but we're not in a decently functioning economy. And what if we just wanted to provide jobs? Yeah, exactly. There's a question like what? Okay, so the he's kind of um, begging the question or assuming certain morals like consumption is king and the right. freedom to consume whatever you want. And so the economy is there to produce goods and jobs are a consequence of that activity, right. which is so, sort of true. Ask, but it's like I mean, it's an ask backwards to what people actually care about in the real world. Yeah. What if there's a nation and it wants to make the economy subservient to the nation? You know, what if that's what everybody actually wants? As a libertarian, Romanized Visigoth, I can't what take, if can't a, amenable, not amenable like to also, it. Like, like, fuck the consistency. Like, what if, like, it's just, yeah, spoons is ridiculous. That's stupid. Shovels is, shovels are cool and they work well. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, what what if we want a hundred guys working on this instead of like five with big equipment? Or what if getting the big, again, it's like, it's, there's reasons, even aesthetic reasons, why a country would choose, like Japan chooses to grow rice in traditional patties for aesthetic reasons, even though yeah, uh, that's Murray a great Rothbard example. Actually, this argument. yeah, he said that they could import rice cheaper and they subsidize their rice industry to the tune of you know a lot a lot of money because it's part of their culture. And he kind of attacked that actually, which I thought wasn't too cool for Rothbard, but. Um, well, he would never yeah, get what, it. What if they he's want to fucking, be self-sufficient? <laughs> he's a Brooklyn Jew. He would couldn't wouldn't couldn't get it. I don't yeah, think. What the Egyptian actually said to Milton Friedman was, "Shut up, Kike." Yes. <laughs> yeah. Probably. <laughs> well, why don't they use? Why don't you use? <laughs> Shut up, Kike. <laughs> but but the, 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 again, to the Japanese thing, it's like I don't know if if I mean actually, you've been to Japan, haven't you? Um, yeah. But uh, what's it called? It's it's world renowned for being the finest produce on the planet. Do you think that they care about line go up or do you are rather do you think they could keep that sort of association and or um, reputation if they just start importing Indian basmati rice? Yeah, I mean, this gets to the, the <laughs> fundamental question of are people in are people ontologically these individual atomized consumption units that can produce things? And that that the freedom for them to act is the paramount 
you know, purpose of yeah. our life or are people ontologically a collective that have a collective thought process right. and sort of mimetically share ideas um, and, and, and things like that. And I, I mean, I think it's to any normal non-autistic person, I think the latter is kind of obvious. I think when, since we live in such a fucked up world, like in America in particular, it's kind of hard to see it because that thing has been well, really you were born smashed into it to too. pieces. Any of the people who existed prior to this are dead. Too. Right. I mean, Japanese are not like, I wonder if there's like a Tom Woods equivalent in Japan with like <laughs> the Japanese libertarian podcast, whose big issue is like stop state subsidization, subsidization of uh rice production. I can't even production. imagine that that is in their, their like national spirit, honestly, like oh, fuck your small rice patty. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but what's it called? Uh, like, I think that their, their fringe people are like, their fringe people are more likely like Mishima. Like they're more like, we need the right. emperor back. <laughs> That's their weirdo autistic guys. <laughs> they want more collectivism. Yeah. 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 Well, that's what I mean when I say it's not in the, it's not in the Japanese spirit. To, actually, you know, there's a word it's called, uh, the Japanese heart. It means Yamato Gokoro, which means the Japanese heart. And yeah, I don't think it's in there. I don't think it's in there. They're, they're too Japanese to want it, to want to give up the rice patties. But anyway, let's, let's go. I was able to figure out how to get this to go a little faster. So this is good. There yeah. should indeed be in a decent uh, functioning entrepreneurial economy, uh, plenty of opportunity for people to lo who lose their jobs to do a mid-course correction and start an another kind of employment. But at the end of the day, if it's all about people in distress who have to be helped, then that's another discussion for libertarians to have. To have. There will always be, there will indeed be in any economy, people who through no fault of their own have had bad luck and have had difficulty. And, uh, and I... Wow, that's mighty white of you to admit. <laughs> Gene. <laughs> of course, believe that there's plenty of private money available to help those people, but that too is a different discussion. Except there's simply right, not. I've got a few more things I want to ask you, but first let's thank our sponsor. The sponsor is not here. Okay, there are a few things I still <laughs> want to get to here. Okay. One of them is the point you make in the article about the way cheap imports actually contribute to other jobs. Yeah. So if, if, if my industry needs inexpensive steel to survive, and you're mm -hmm. telling me that the way to increase jobs is to put a tariff on steel, you're actually going to decrease jobs in my industry. So talk about that. That's right, uh, absolutely, and that's one of the channels through which uh, it uh, the uh, free trade actually helps jobs. You know, why not talk to uh, if, if you are if you are so uh, uh, so self righteous about causing people to lose their jobs and demanding tariffs, then speak uh, speak again to those people who don't realize that they are suffering from tariffs, as in the case you cited. Uh, the, the, the business, by and large, by the way, free trade from China and from abroad is not consumer goods. It's by and large intermediate inputs that business buys and those cheap i don't even i think source needed on that by the way i'm pretty sure the majority of finished goods are actually fucking important i don't have the numbers for that but i just can't fucking believe like i, I know every company every item that's made in america like proud loud and proud fucking announces it because that's like become a conservative calling card or whatever um and i just don't see enough of it to believe this stat well if we consider like oil and I, I, I'm willing to take that, but it's not important because, you know, as Austrians will say, economics is marginal. So just because something isn't the bulk of international trade doesn't mean it's the not the most important part or Fair the part enough. that needs yeah. to be dealt with. Right. And again, of, of course, like you said, uh, you brought up oil specifically, and I'm sure that that is like a massive proportion of it. 
too, which like, you know, the fuel is what, you know, allows us to fucking keep the lights on for uh, women in a Andrew Tate style sex uh, cam show. The oil is what's keeping their lights on to run that that sex show. So they can get fucking e-coins and Grant Amato can fucking steal all of his family's money and give it to him. <laughs> Yeah, I, w- I would like to say to what he's saying here about the um, I think it's true. I think that the free again, because I, I don't take this as an all or not. See, the problem with Austrianism, if you're taking it at face value and not as a Jewish psyop, which we could engage with it both ways. But as a as a sincere worldview, they have a enormous all or nothing problem. Yeah. It's purely principle. It's like it's, um, you either have borderline free trade personality for, uh, ideology. Right. So. <laughs> The idea that you could rationally, like a nation state, right, that has an actual um, collective, like well-being drive, could go, okay, well, you know what? In the case of, uh, you know, there's big tariffs on things like certain types of, like coconut oil, for example, and different types of oils, cooking oils from around the world yep. to subsidize the soybean oil and corn oil industries. Yep. Everybody fucking hates this. I mean, look at the seed oil meme. Like it's yeah. it's that industry is hated even by people that don't think they're nobody really likes those oils. They're just artificially cheap in the store. Yeah. There's uses for them. I mean, there's uses for everything. But as it Yeah, as, like greasing know, up machines that do industrial jobs. That's or what even the just certain types of for. certain <laughs> types of cooking. I mean, you shouldn't do it every day, but you know, there's certain oils that have different smoke points and different flavors I know what whatever. You mean. Yeah. But the, the potato um, chips. The idea we that, all like potato chips. We don't. We all know we're not supposed to be eating them. But we no, all but know you can, that you good. can make potato chips with coconut oil. You can make yeah, it with any oil. But peanut but oil. The idea oh, that walking down perfect, the grocery but... uh, store shelves, every salad dressing, the first ingredient should be soybean oil. Yeah. Nobody wants that. No. Nobody wants true. that. Um, and the idea that olive oil that's high quality is a certain amount expensive. That's also. Uh, a, yeah. A How about the te- fact? Like, how about the fact that people in America, like by and large, don't fucking cook? Everybody's Uber eating nearly every fucking meal. And why is that? Is because of the fact that all the food that you buy in the aisles of the store, which dumb people who haven't fucking, you know, done the legwork and research into into the, this stuff, they know it tastes like shit. They know it tastes like <laughs> shit. It doesn't matter whether they don't have to know that seed oils make you fat and all this other stuff to know that they don't like it. That these fucking, yeah, wishbone fucking salad dressing, you're literally putting on a, you're ruining any benefit you could have gotten from the salad. <laughs> right. But the point that I'm making is that a national economy could have a rational plan where people could just go look. Um, making coffee in any of the climates in our country is just really not practical. We're not going to go down that road. We're just going to have trade yeah. deals with coffee producing countries yeah. and maybe we'll have companies there. We'll have partnerships. Whatever we all the fuck played Tropico. Is. Remember that game? <laughs> <laughs> and whereas like, let's say it's like 1% cheaper to get these shit tomatoes from uh, Mexico versus Chile, like some nice Jersey tomatoes. Yeah. Or something like that. Or the ones you know, I grow hot, in my backyard. Yeah, exactly. The, the heirloom tomatoes everybody actually likes to eat versus the hothouse tomatoes. Or, you know, there's certain places, there's certain produce items that people know if it's out of season, it's going to taste like shit. Or if yeah, it's peaches from come to a mind. certain region. Yeah, exactly, exactly. 
And um, the idea that we, there there can't be a rational calculation like, OK, in this case, we're going to have a free trade policy. But in this case, we're going to protect this industry because it's important. Maybe yeah. maybe even um, security. You know, we're going to have a certain amount of domestic steel production, even if it's five percent costlier than what the free trade version would be. We're just going to maintain that because we don't want to be at the whim of in, in, importing from somebody else yeah. that you know, whatever. Yeah, like, and, and for everything, the the war comes back to mind here again. This is in this is in the the only wars possible are U.S. proxy wars that are, you know, this is that's what the gene genes brain is when he's talking like this, is that the only way that a war is ever going to pop off is if, if it's for Zionism. <laughs> so therefore, um, I don't have to worry about like steel uh, production in America because we're never going to be at odds with any. That's what he's thinking, of course. But we yeah, know it's not true. how I said, I think we'll get to this eventually. We have to find it. But there is an episode where he talk. He also does a second. I think it's a debate about free trade. Gene does. And he talks about how there's some guy. It's not Fox Day. As far as I remember, on the other end, it's some like um, somebody from a conservative magazine. But, I think I know uh, which one you're talking about. Yeah. And he keeps saying, well, all of these countries you're talking about that we import these important you know, things that may have a national security component. They're all our al allies. He says allies yeah. instead of allies. <laughs> and he keeps saying it. it's really funny. Um, and yeah, I think they're all our <laughs> lies. They're all our lies. That's what he's actually saying. <laughs> but it's very funny, like, because, yeah, a lot of people were saying, um, you know, 19, whatever, you know, Obama 1980 called Mitt. He wants the Russian policy. Back I know that was hilarious. China is you know, China is our best buddy or, you know, who it's, it's like, and it doesn't even matter. It's just like the idea that like this American idea that you, you, it always has to be consumption and mass consumption and the cheapest, cheapest, cheapest is the top priority. And unless you can make, it's like the onus is 100% on you. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the weight of the argument is skewed and and people like gene do it that way because they they almost pre-assume like he doesn't even justify it he just assumes well we all know that the most important thing is freedom of choice and getting the choice to have the cheapest goods possible and everybody has to choose individually not to do that and if oh wow well, surprise they all choose to, you know because you you put them in a prisoner's dilemma yeah and that's the whole point of a country and Anyway, so yeah, just the idea that you either have to, um, the Milton Friedman thing, like you either have to use the Spoons. most efficient yeah. equipment possible or the least efficient equipment possible. That's yeah. the only two it's rational borderline options. personality ideology. It is, yeah. <laughs> and that's Gene's position on all of this stuff is, well, okay, fine. If you don't want to do the most cost efficient or the most freedom yeah. producing thing, you have to do the least. Then, then, yeah. then now we're Stalinist Russia. <laughs> Of course, make it cheaper for the business to operate and make it possible for that business to employ more people. The other part about globalization and the rise of, of mass communications is indeed the huge surplus in services. Uh, the uh, the fact that that, uh, that, uh, that tourism is, uh, is booming. The other third part about how through channel through which free trade creates jobs is that. Again, well, we said this before, but uh, tourism does not actually equal like an actual sign of a healthy economy it's you know by the way actually if you want to get fucking uh earthy crunchy slash environmentalist about it it actually represents a waning 
it's like um like a, a woman's a woman's ability to court a man like it's it's waning it's it, there's, there's an end date on it especially if we keep going the way we're going where we're you know easing at the, uh, easing at the edge of fucking nuclear catastrophe worldwide <laughs> for some sort of high-minded you know um a u.s global fucking foreign policy hegemony um but anyway sorry Gene. Well, yeah, i mean it's it's a, it's a luxury yeah, right. Exactly. It's something that we're not going to like much like a woman's feasibility to get married and start a family. It's something that we won't always have, perhaps if certain things, you know, I guess it's a little less it's a little less uh, short lived than that. <laughs> but, you know, that foreigners who have to get dollars uh, from uh, from having sold us goods have a surplus of dollars and they make huge investments in businesses mm. in the U.S. That's happening a lot now, isn't it? And then they have influence. Yeah. It, so is that good that like, you know, a certain percentage of the country? What if the whole country was owned by foreigners? I mean, Great. it is. <laughs> Literally is. Um, but also another thing is like, it's like, Gene, uh, 2023 is called. Um, you're full of shit. Uh, <laughs> and also, I mean, like, yeah, there's I mean, like, I don't know how effective it's going to be, but there's a number of countries that are de-dollarizing. I mean, this is like, this backfired big time, bucko. <laughs> There's an enormous belt of, of auto companies in the South that are employed by, uh, that are run by foreigners, Japan, others, they operate in the U.S. And by and large, by the way, manu manufacturing uh, in the domestic market makes good business sense. It's a very old story. You want at least the finished product to be in the domestic market because you want your manufacturing center to be very sensitive to the domestic market for the cars you want to sell. And so, in fact, manufacturing output in the U.S. is nearly almost at its record high, which was reached in 2007. Uh, that's again By the way, that's also implying that the uh, corporations that provide things such as cars and I'm looking specifically at cars, um, give a fuck about what the consumer actually wants. I'm looking at you, <laughs> fucking electric cars. Nobody wants them. But yet, they're practically all you can buy. Not literally. I know you can buy other ones. But the point is, is all the new introduced cars, they're not introducing new fucking uh, combustion cars, but it's, despite the fact that their sales are fucking nothing. Nothing. Nobody wants them. So the idea, the fucking idea that the it's good to have the fucking manufacturing base nearby the consumers to be more uh, considerate to their wants and desires is just a flat on its face bullshit. I, I think he's wrong in that. I think what he means is I, I think that's probably more a shipping issue that it's cheaper to ship yeah. the um, steel than to ship the fully the full car because it's very heavy. Yeah. 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 And it's just you can you can pack like materials and and partially finished materials much yeah more efficient you can't yeah you can't put cars on top of each other you know for, for obvious reasons the right. way that you can just pile all the steel wires and all the wires in in a big spindle or whatever that are going to go inside the car are way less than when they're distributed you know however it is inside of the fucking the car inside you know the wiring alongside where the lights go inside the chassis or whatever i'm sure whatever that the, i'm sure it's easier to ship in a big spindle than it is inside the car yeah 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 
and that's manufacturing output is nearly at the record high of 2007. Much of it owned by foreigners who are using dollars that they get to invest in the U.S. So there are, no, so not. in fact, the 3% estimate I did for jobs lost was strictly on the debit side. Nobody has bothered uh, to do any, any decent audit of jobs created. These are difficult, this, this indeed is difficult research to do, but we know that the 3% is probably exaggerated. Uh, but again, at the end of the day, we do. Are we sure about this? <laughs> and also, it, it, he slips this by, uh, but he just said he made no he he stepped over the idea that there's a difference between this country being a country of American companies owned and operated by Americans that employs Americans, yeah. and that it's just as good, possibly even better, because well, to him, you know, to to have foreign to have Amer to to be a nation of employees of foreigners. Yeah. And then, by the way, he used in this example, Japan, um, who, by the way, most Americans have a positive association with doing business with, first of all. Mm -hmm. um, and second of all, their products are great. Japanese products are actually the best on the market as almost every fucking um, uh, industry. So it's a very clever little rhetorical trick he's and doing. Doesn't here. Japan have some protectionism? A ton. It's crazy how much they have. They have <laughs> so how is it that they're buying up, you know, like they're economically to the extent that this phenomenon is occurring and not the reverse phenomenon, which is that Americans are mass employing Japanese to yeah. build our products in Japan. They are economically colonizing us and we're not economically colonizing them. So and, and by the way, don't take any pages out of her, their book, Goyim. Because you're you're an atomized libertarian individual, and yeah, that's I mean, naughty. The, it's like, wouldn't the country? I mean, isn't one like rational way to look at which policy is better to see like which country is economically colonizing the other one? No, like, but, <laughs> well, okay, but is, maybe, yeah. maybe actually, I think Gene would what Gene would say is maybe, but that doesn't matter to me because I'm a libertarian. Right. That's what and he would also, say. Japan is one of our oldest allies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. In the sense know, that they're our vassal. <laughs> right. Yeah. It comes back to ethics because I can't, you know, I'll tell you an interesting analogy in my view. Those who, uh, who, who push for the minimum wage, uh, raising the minimum wage, um, are, many of them admit that you'll destroy some jobs. And then they say, well, you know, you'll destroy, you know, maybe 2% or 3% of uh, people uh, uh, who are low wage workers will get dumped on the ash heap. But what about that other 97% that will see raises? And it's very odd that that's okay with them. That 3% who's going to be dumped on the ash heap. Uh, by the way, are usually the most. This is kind of a straw man, too, because like you don't actually have to raise the minimum wage. You can make things better in your like the things we were talking about before, like maybe perhaps perhaps deploying some protectionism on certain key industries or whatever. And, um, you know, maybe not exporting jobs or whatever. It doesn't actually you don't maybe you don't have to set the wages artificially higher. And maybe by doing these protectionist measures, the wages might just go up too. That's the other thing. It has to be like you said. It's if it's if it's not optimum, you have to do the least efficient thing. It has to be the absolute catastrophe. Yeah, I mean, I do think that he has a point here because he's referring to Republicans and Democrats at like a Finkel think thing, and mm -hmm. it is dumb. It is dumb that Democrats are for. Uh, raising the higher wage. than market. Yeah, raising the minimum wage, but. Yeah against free trade or at least used to be and republicans are for free trade and against yeah 
the minimum wage. It, it is it is stupid. Um, what you need it's is case by case. And the reason why <laughs> a dealing yeah, with and it. the yeah. reason why it's stupid is because in the um, in the ontology of total libertarianism, then which is kind of what the Republicans use as their base ontology. Mm-hmm. Then yes, it is dumb to uh, oppose free trade, and there shouldn't be a minimum wage. But, right. And to the extent that the Democrats have that ontology, they kind of don't. Some of them, I guess, like older school Democrats probably did um, so the individualist. But this isn't a question of, indi- the, you know, I don't think most people actually want individualism No. in their national policy. And Gene and, and libertarians are going to step over that uh, because, one, they don't believe it matters what most people want. They think it's just a priori correct, even if every person but one on earth doesn't want individualism that that one person should still be given individualism right. <laughs> to do whatever they want um maybe even force individualism on the other on the others uh but yeah just the the idea that okay well um the utilitarian idea that he's kind of a shoe in which i like uh i i do agree with him that just just saying well this is going to cost a certain amount of jobs or this is going to lower that isn't the only consideration you have to think in a holistic sense like sure what do we want this nation to look like like maybe it's maybe wages would go up if we have a bunch of cities abandoned and bombed out and crime ridden but like that's not you right know what i mean like you have to think about this whole thing um and also like a long-term view true uh with like like a slow like like japan with the rice like they want to keep their a certain culture for centuries into the future you know like they don't give a fuck that you know the 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 short-term sort of silly consumerist things about food that we have in america like oh groceries cost this much my life is worse right gotcha yeah for sure marginal and unskilled people, but their utilitarian calculus says, well, if you can raise it by, you know, several bucks for the other 97%, then why not? Uh, and so that's what they say in that case. But when I, when, when I say, when we say from the other case, in, the, in, utility, in terms of utilitarianism, look at all the millions of, of people who are benefiting as consumers, uh, who go to Walmart, who buy cheap goods, the workers who benefit as workers when cheap goods are brought. Uh, look at all those people, and they are, many, they, they are far more numerous than the relative handful of people who lose their jobs those people then say, oh, no, no, that's unfair. That, that now, I mean, we're defending, suddenly they're defending the minority in that case, uh, rather than, and, and we're defending the majority um, in, 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 when we make a utilitarian argument in terms of free trade, but, and our roles are reversed when we talk about minimum wage. But the, at, at the end of the day, the only way to resolve this argument is that in, ter- in terms of the minimum wage, that's the free transaction between business and labor. Uh, that's what you're interfering in. Similarly, in terms of free trade, that's my freedom, your freedom to buy, to spend our money for perceived gain with anybody else as we see fit. That, we, that includes business and it includes uh, individuals. And, and that's where, by the way, if I may segue for the moment into what Vox Day was saying, he made it very clear when he said, for example, I jotted down some of the things he said when he was debating um, uh, Bob uh, Murphy about free trade. He says, I don't trust government, but I trust corporations even less. He said, I'm a nationalist, not a globalist. Um, he said, now that, now what, what does that mean in terms of trusting government, but not trusting government, but trusting corporations even less. Well, uh, he seemed to be overlooking the reality that these corporations, uh, uh, unless they engage in chronic capitalism, are essentially businesses that are trying to sell us goods. And uh, I don't have to. 
<laughs> That's some nice nihilism you got there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's th- this whole part is kind of to me. It doesn't have a lot of interesting. It's not the kind of things yeah. I like to counter. Um, it's but, just I disagree. <laughs> it's it's, it's probably yeah, I mean, what I can say. The idea that like yeah, if I started a company or like if I started a, if I opened a restaurant, yeah. I'm just trying to sell you food. But right. the idea that that's what Amazon is, that's what Google is. Right. It's like, fuck, fuck off, dude. Like, yeah, that's what Walmart is. That's what Raytheon is like. Fuck <laughs> off. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or like the parent company for like 30% Bear Stearns, of the shit in the store. Yeah. Bear Stearns. Well, fucking what's his name? Um, you know, uh, Jeffrey Epstein's buddy there. Um, yeah. Or Disney. How about? Disney's just trying yeah, to sell just, you a movie, Goyim. They're just trying to make a buck. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. why they keep like stuffing minorities into these roles and losing yeah. money on movies. Because they're just Yeah. You can choose not to you can choose not to live in a world where the latest Disney like mystery meat movie is pushed in your face even if you don't go to see it. Yeah, true. Like you actually can't choose that. Yeah, I couldn't. Like, I I didn't want to think about Barbie this past few weeks, but I have to think about Barbie because it's everywhere. All the discourse is centered around Barbie. Right. I mean, you could choose not to use the internet. I guess. I guess. And like, yeah. You could be Amish or whatever, but other than that, yeah. Like I mean, but I yeah. I think we should just let him yeah, continue on until he gets to something I can say, worth discussing. I can, yeah. can just. Say no, and I can buy domestic if goes. I want to. Um, I can, re- or if I don't buy domestic, I can simply refuse to buy from them. Um, I should just tell say no to, to To refuse to buy from the government, uh, to refuse to pay your taxes, you're going to be thrown in jail. And so he was making a very clear choice. He was choosing government over the free market by trusting corporations even less. And then when he said he's a nationalist, not a globalist, what does globalism mean? Global Judaism simply means in terms of the free market. Market, my right to buy from companies that import from China. That's all, or from any other country. Uh, I don't have to exercise that right. I can refuse to do so. But a nationalist is something. Can, can we who actually pause right here? Of an- yeah. What globalism means is not just your right to buy from whomever. It yeah. means the lack of the right of a country to choose, choose not to its policy. Yeah. Economic policy. That's what it means. It's a negative. Um, right. It, so yeah. <laughs> it, and the, and the, the corporations like the whatever steel, whatever gets to choose and not, you know, the people about their policy for steel production. Um, and by the way, Fox Day, I mean, I've really not kept up with that guy. I never really followed him. I, he was one of those people that I was um, I would hear about from others or like sure. back when I watched the JF Gary Epi show. Um, he was on there a couple times. Yep. Like he actually, I'll I'll give Vox Day because I'm gonna kind of shit on him, but I I'll give him one good thing. He wrote like a whole, was it a whole book about how Jordan Peterson is a fraud and will soon have a mental breakdown? No, then, I didn't like, know. I, he may have, but I didn't know that. That's yeah, kind this of awesome. Was like in 2018, and then like within like, I I actually got a um I, I'm gonna say I got some unfair credit in the Tom Woods supporting group and maybe also Dave Smith's because I took that Vox Day argument and just repeated it. Yeah. Because I started noticing, I mean, I was kind of noticing the same things, but he made a really coherent, like he actually researched Peterson a lot 
he read all of his book. He read both of his books and some of his other work and, you know, said that he had a lot of disturbing stuff in there. Like he wrote about like fantasy, sex fantasy dreams he had about like his cousin or whatever. And he was like, what? just weird shit like that. Yeah, I actually remember he, like, that. Yeah, I, th- I remember that coming out much, 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 much later. Yeah, something so with his grandmother dream that. about his grandmother like making him show his uh, the touch her vagina <laughs> or something yeah or his mother perhaps <laughs> in a dream it's like why would you, even if you had that dream what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> well he is a psychologist but the I thing guess. is it's like but if you're, you're selling be... help self-improvement and like and like being a better i don't know whatever i'm sorry if you're gonna be a zio shill then you're gonna get made fun of for putting stuff for, like that you know doing there. shit yeah. like, like that and, and crying all the time on camera after you know somebody calls you a rabbi on the street or yeah. whatever gay <laughs> shit makes you burst into tears for the hundredth time on stream and i was thinking um, about how i don't know what truth actually is and uh i just couldn't control my tear my bloody tears yeah <laughs> uh, i was thinking about the time that i was like almost dead from drugs while yeah. my wife was dying of cancer yeah while i was literally being having experimental fucking coma therapy done on me in a former <laughs> soviet republic <laughs> because it's unethical to do in america so anyway vox day he did like this fantastic job with that and he also did a pretty good job he did a leather apron club style um tear down of the jewish iq right i, I remember he, that distinctly yes so he's done some good work and for all i know he's an okay guy i mean he really got on the cue stuff yeah um that's mostly what that, i make fun of him for is like the being a two more weeks guy and um <laughs> and and also just like it's just like partially he's just like an easily made fun of looking guy too is part of it as well i think right <laughs> by the way has anybody done a uh, a parody song like you know the bare naked ladies one week like it's been one it's week been but with like two a- weeks till <laughs> till the lights went out in the bat again until yeah, yeah, mass die off yeah, yeah. <laughs> no but I there got, should I got be jabs in both my arms like <laughs> still got the jab marks on both my arms um and now I'm magnetized. Yeah, so- <laughs> <laughs> Hold it now and watch the graphene. <laughs> um, <laughs> it would be really good if somebody could actually it's a lot fill of in syllables. every syllable It's a lot correctly. of syllables, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would be a monumental yeah. spoof And song, also but- for a fucking annoying song and also <laughs> like, just that's how you're spending your time. <laughs> Yeah. So just to finish on the Vox Day, yeah. um, when when he says a point, see, he's trying to make like kind of like a bumper sticker type, uh, you know, uh, I don't because tr- it, it's like a catchy right, like catchphrase, right? Like, yeah. Well, I don't trust the government, but I trust corporations. Us. What he really means, and wh- what people should say, I mean, I don't, you know, international Jews are out to get you. The state is something that could be used for the benefit of people. Corporations are just fully captured and you know nationalism requires the state he should say the state instead of government yeah um and be sort of clear about what the fuck he's talking about maybe that was an issue with his own ability or maybe he was trying to play nice with libertarian type people i'll give him credit for that yeah give them like a a talking point that might like um appeal to them more giving that line because a lot of libertarians that were sort of entering the pipeline were being like you know what Um, maybe corporations aren't so even murray rothbard had you know at the end a lot of skepticism about billionaires and big businessmen and stuff like that so um 
and not necessarily just because of government connections. You yeah. Know, although that's that's the foundation of the libertarian skepticism of big business, but the, I think there's also a growing awareness of just yeah issues with the power, right? Um, even outside of the government. Right, is there any other timestamps you want to like do you, that you have that you want to pull out? Because I think we're nearing our time here, pretty much. We've done quite a, a lengthy episode. Um, no, so I have a. Let me just run through my notes. Yeah, let's so do like a I, summation now. Yeah, so I, I'll just run through my notes real quick, and then you can talk about whichever topics you want. But um, you know, the three percent number that he keeps talking about, I'm skeptical about it, and also as as we discussed before. 3% GDP, just GDP doesn't, you know, yes. jobs aren't, not all jobs are the same. Not all GDP is the same, but it's treated the same. Um, the collective action problem. I mean, Gene either knows or does not know that Jews don't need the American state to, right. you know, to conspire and to take care of each other and to make sure that they have good jobs and stuff. But, you know, job losers, <laughs> middle-class <laughs> working, you know, whatever they do need the state. Um, they don't have social networks uh, like the Jews. They or don't have or they've had them networks. demolished. It should, uh, we should clarify: is that by in in this natural state, uh, everybody intrinsically human. It's a human characteristic to have these sort of uh, these community. Well, maybe it isn't such <laughs> intrinsically human thing, but it's definitely one for Europeans historically. I should say um, to have these sort of these guardrails against like these problems in societies and it's only an invention of the 20th century that we don't <clears throat> and uh and again i said it before but it's 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 not so much that um gene talks about how nobody should collectively act it's not that it's only job losers we'll say <laughs> it's only the job losers who are per not permitted to do so and also how dare you want to collectively act on an issue like uh, you know, repealing NAFTA while you shop on Amazon. Yes. You fucking piece of shit. Like, yep. that, it's like, dude, sh fuck you. Like, <laughs> anyway, um, we didn't get to this yet. This was one of the last things they say, but, you know, they bring up that whole thing about how um, government is incompetent. Yep. You know, perhaps compared to the private sector. And I would say that whole thing, competence is not. First of all, the politicians are not the ones that are making choices in the government. It's true. Like, um, who's that guy? Was it Mitch McConnell who was just giving a, a talk? And, and then he just froze like he, up. Yeah. He looked like he sharted and mm -hmm. like <laughs> walked He probably away. did shart. <laughs> he, he, he had a wet one. Yeah. <laughs> and then was like, I forget. Did Someone I told him that he's not turtly enough for the turtle club. And then <laughs> he had that moment. <laughs> Yeah, some kid in the audience said, I like turtles. And he got, <laughs> yeah, he started um, spinning. <laughs> but yeah, it, so competence is not, you don't need that much competence. What is actually important with these kinds of questions is loyalty and right. having a group and, and not just being out for, not either selling out or being actually a member of a, you know, a subvert, like either one, actively subvert your own group yes. or two, a member of an out group. Right. The, the group just lets you have a power position in because they're fucking retarded and have had their own group consciousness demolished from propaganda. Um, so it, it's sort of like the Jewish argument is like no collectivism for the hosts, only for the parasite. Right. It's kind of. Like yes, the, that's what I was saying before. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Um, and then the thing about how he doesn't do it as much in this one as the last episode that Dave Smith that we analyzed him on, but the attempts that he was making, especially in this time period when there was a lot of and cap alt right crossover crossover Venn diagram, yeah, is to associate um, nationalism, economic nationalism with left wing. Right. Uh, which is is really probably not going to work very much anymore, but was, I think, an effective rhetorical tool at the time. Um, and yeah, just the the collective action thing being being the real question that it's it, this will always happen where when when a, when somebody, whether it's Jews or anybody, when they want something done, when somebody with power wants something done, they will just pay attention to this. Anybody they will never just tell the individual each to do it like all right we really got to get this done everybody go home and make the right choice individually by themselves they will try to get right. whether it's um propagandistic power soft power everything up to blackmail they will actually use tools that work to get things done Correct. everybody with power knows what works um you know, more and less. And what works the least, the least effective thing to make anything happen is to tell individual people to make individual choices so, to make a big thing happen. So fucking true. And, and then, whenever you have somebody advocating, because that's what the conservative movement is, and that's why they never win do anything. anything. Yeah. Yes. And Democrats always eat their lunch because Democrats always use collective action. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so it, it it's another way of of rephrasing like and by the, the way we're gonna get someone and i'll just address it right now what about bud light uh you mean the thing that they absolutely said okay fine we'll tank just so we try to lower the temperature in the room a little bit absolutely these and again i say this all the time but it's not that we do not have a free market we have a planned economy by uh financial institutions uh, and banks. That is who plans the economy. And they have allowed for this Bud Light brand, which is only one arm of the company, the parent company, by the way, and the rest of them are doing fine, um, to fall in order to, and they, I guess on a, on a long-term basis, they decided that if for the political pressure lowering by by doing this was enough, was, was worth it for the to let this brand go by the wayside. And I'm sorry if you if you view it any other way, you've been duped. You've you've been a victim of the op. I I'll even give that give this potential interlocutor more. I'll say they can't control everything. Maybe occasionally okay. the the shitty tactic of individual action, because yeah, people can't boycotts can actually work. In some do, instances, to, to take down small targets, right? Yes. Like if there's one company that you really hate, and you can, and it happens to coincide with a moment in time when there's a hot button issue, and you get the mimetic energy behind it, yeah, you can make that happen. You're not changing society. There's going to be trannies with other companies, perhaps beer companies. In yep. ten years, it will not be anathema for companies to have this kind of yeah. No, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brand yeah. associations. It's only going the one way. The only way to stop it is things like the state and real power, and not just oh, we're going to make your all you companies better watch out because you will tank your price by forty percent in the stock market. No, that's not going to happen. Yeah, um, you can get a small win here and there, and I don't know. I mean, if you think that's real, 
I, I, when I look at these things, I'm like, where's society going? And uh, to me, Bud Light could disappear. Oh, it's, it's going, going to. Going they're, to they're, they're shuttering the brand, I believe. Oh, okay. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Um, it's not going to change anything about immigration into the United States. It's not going to change the amount of kids getting hormone, yeah. you know, puberty blockers. It's not going to change any of that shit. It's going to maybe scare some companies to not advertise that way yes as hard for now right yeah yes yes it will slow down certain things or redirect or they'll go hey what's a more consumer uh base friendly way to do this inclusive project that we all know is the right thing to do like that's what they're that's how they're phrasing it in the boardroom it's like we all know it's right to have the diversity inclusion <laughs> yeah, yeah, extend yeah. to trans people to trans bodies and but we don't want to offend some of them may even say you know we don't want to offend our consumers so how can we like square that circle right how can we have, how gonna, can we get both how can we have both yeah it's not like now all of a sudden boards are like okay that's it like total trans fag death. killer soda fag fag killer <laughs> beer yeah yeah um and yeah it's just it, it's just silly and i'm sure you know this this research doesn't need to be done. It's really not that important. But I'm sure if you did it, you would find that the dollars are going to some other beer. Yeah, that also advertises with trannies, company, but less, but less so. Or gives <laughs> money to this tranny causes yeah. or this, you know, other stuff you hate. This is not. It's not like all of the money that was in the pocket of Bud Light just went into like thin air, home brewing, home brewing <laughs> equipment, yeah, or, or like you know, um, what is it, uh, Grandma Towler's what's that like patriotic alternative girl that has like the soap or whatever in England? oh yeah i i don't remember her name either but yes i know what you're talking about yes. yeah this money isn't going into businesses like that yeah 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 laura towler um, yeah laura towler yes. yes her business or whatever equivalent american but may, maybe there maybe somewhere there's a fucking microbrewery that's run by nazis in america they didn't get a dollar from this fucking thing. yeah and they're not going and it's it's yeah or or maybe you know not a nazi you're just like you know there's no con the the best you're going to get from that kind of action is is getting um bamboozled by another black rifle coffee yeah or fucking patriot or, extreme patriot light or whatever i talked about yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. literally an israeli guy owned the company yeah it reminds me of the um the starbucks guy who didn't was it the starbucks guy who got his or was it somebody else who got his start? Howard Schultz, bottling, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, bottling oh. water and calling it spring water. Oh, that's funny as hell. <laughs> like bottling regular water in California, selling it spring, as spring water and saying that it, like X percent of the proceeds go to charity and what the charity is, is Israel. That rules. <laughs> kind of rules, actually. It was like the Desert Water Initiative. It's like for every bottle of water we sell in California, ten cents of it, you know, of on the dollar goes to getting water for people in the in the desert That's where there's not funny a lot of water. Fuck. And it just, <laughs> what part of the desert did it go to? Yeah, a very small percentage of the desert. <laughs> yeah, a specific coastal An desert armpit, if you will. Yeah, of the desert. Um. So yeah, I would just say, like. One of the mistakes that people make when they try to tackle this stuff is to get like lost in the sauce with the like, it's good to, you know, if you can get a hold of the numbers he's talking about and you can find an inconsistency or you can find that he left, like I said, he, you know, he compares um, new unemployment claims, but he doesn't add other things like what are the outcomes of those right. claims on yes. average? Yeah. 
that's good but it's also you have to look at like what are, what are the under what are the things he doesn't say that he assumes that you're going to What agree is the with unseen in the in the ver- verbiage of <laughs> yeah. of Bastiat? The unseen telemetry and the yeah. seen telemetry. <laughs> yeah. No, listen. Again, and and we're we're going to pick up this series again um in the future. Um but I think we've done a thorough fucking woodshed on this episode. <laughs> Yeah, it just it this it aged badly. This one, yeah, true. The, I think the free true. trade stuff is really aging badly. I don't think that that's going to be on the table, even for libertarian. Like they're going to just shamefully admit that they have that as part of their sort of whole overarching ideology. At yeah, some I think point. they'll they'll pivot by saying free trade would work in an ideal world, but the way that it's being implemented now, isn't real. Yeah. Free, they've already said that. Actually, they've already said You're like, right because yeah. actually Ron Paul who is a sincere guy, he said real free trade doesn't need a 10,000 page policy. Yeah. Uh, legis- you know, p- uh, proposal or legislation or whatever, like NAFTA is free trade is just, there will be no <laughs> impediments, impediments to trade between yeah. yeah, this and that state, you know, or this state and all other states or whatever. So that is, that is a legitimate argument they could make, but, um, Oh, and uh, one last thing. If people want to follow up, because there's one economist that I've never heard. Now, again, I stopped listening to Tom Woods and all related stuff around 2020, maybe, um, would be my last. I'm guessing this is just a guess, but yeah, uh, I feel like it had to be earlier than that because we, I mean, we've known each other for a long, much longer than that. And I think both of us were not even talking. I mean, we, we were definitely past that stage. By then, by 2020, just yeah. think back on 2020. Like, well, I remember I was kicked out of his group before COVID. <laughs> or <laughs> let me so say, funny. I chose I chose to leave yeah. after he asked me to. Yeah, <laughs> in a DM, I was, and I um, I lost my Facebook account forever during COVID. Right. Or was it right before COVID? And then I got it back because some pajit clicked the right. Yeah, so button. we covered this last episode. Yeah, yeah. but um. Anyway, the one economist that when I started learning about national economic nationalist economics that I never heard anybody talk about um, to try to debunk, I think because he's too good. It's like this one simple trick or whatever um, that Austrians hate. Friedrich List. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of him before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, He's basically the big guy on nationalist economics, like the Irish nationalists all used him they use, okay that's interesting because yes they're a very weird blend of of protectionism and uh and also employing free market where it's useful you know what a fucking concept is to <laughs> synthesize things that work well ireland's lost that i know now, i know I mean, that now, actual, yeah. yeah right um republic yeah, of ireland wanna, times yeah if if people want to uh follow up um and also, there's some, you know, I don't have the name, but there was a blog that I was reading about modern monetary theory that I'm not, you know, totally convinced that there's not sort of an in-between. Like, I, I think the dismissal of that is just like a totally stupid thing and that we need the gold standard. Right. I think, anyway, I think this is part of um, nationalist economics. And it's the kind of stuff that, because, you know, when I was big in the ANCAP world, I had this feeling like they were tackling the best versions of the counters to their arguments, which is probably yeah. what people just have to always think when they believe in something. True. 
but uh yeah since get becoming more of a nationalist um there's just a lot of philosophical points and even points of hard relatively hard history and economic argumentation and data that for all the hundreds or thousands of Tom Woods episodes and all the stupid Dave Smith shit and Gene Epstein's Talmadry, they don't touch. They just retread um, some good arguments. You know, that sometimes they steal man certain things that they're comfortable with, but there's certain things they stay away from. Uh, and not just, you know, Holocaust revisionism yeah, or whatever. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> which they do stay away from. Of course. They would be caught near that. Is that... That's off the three by five card of Tom Woods' wild opinion. <laughs> I always thought it was pretty funny that he, uh, you know, his three by five, it's actually a four by six index card of allowable <laughs> opinion in fucking in Tom Woods' world. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's very funny. Anyway, so what do you want to pr promote to the peeps now that we've uh, completed uh, a little uh, bit of a rundown? Yeah, I got nothing. Nothing? You don't want to plug uh, your Odyssey channel? No, I mean, it's the name, Romanized Visigoth. I got a YouTube, a bit shoot, and an Odyssey. I haven't made anything new, and I anticipate not starting any of my new projects, which I, I have a book sitting right... It's either in my office or my new apartment. Um, something Stars. Wandering Stars. Jewish sci-fi. Right. Uh, so it's like Jewish short stories that I, that I want to be reviewing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I, you told me this idea, and I I very very much fucking uh, uh, encourage you to do this. But I understand Actually, also real life is in the way. Maybe maybe you could. Um, there's one story that I wanted to do as the first one, and uh, I, I might uh, just go ahead and invite you on because you might like it. It's called uh, On Venus. Have we got a rabbi? That rules. I'm in. I'll be there. Episode one. I'm in. It's um, I, I yeah, I don't even want to ruin it. This story is gonna kill you when you. Well, read I'll look it. into like, it. I'll look into it yeah, after we finish recording. I, I, I don't think there's a free version. Um, I could find because it because I I tried to find a PDF. Yeah, maybe you're better at that than me. But I had to because I have a, an old uh, collection back at my mom's house, like in the attic, where I put all the shit I didn't need. Mm -hmm. But you um, hid it away in the attic. No, no, no. This is just a regular, like, best of I science know, fiction. I was making a joke about uh, Anne Frank. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's one of my flowers. Yeah. And, uh, and so I had to, I had to rebuy the story, but instead of trying to find that little collection that just had this one Jewish story, I found this whole anthology that of just rules. Jewish stories. All right. I'm in. And it's called Wandering Stars. So it's like the. You know, cosmic, Great you know, uh, Yahweh, fucking space alien, space alien, <laughs> fucking uh, Anunnaki. It's like that Dave Chappelle joke. Which one? You know, he, he's got that. He got where he got in trouble. Oh, oh yeah, I'm the aliens. The right, the aliens. They come to space Earth. Juice. Yeah, <laughs> that was a good one. All right, uh, for us, you know where to find us, www.historyhomos.com, or uh, find us on Odyssey, BitChute, uh, Rumble, and Rockfin. That's most importantly Rockfin, www.rockfin.com. That's R-O-K-F-I-N.com slash historyhomos. And you get all our back episodes. And uh, also, you have an opportunity to sign up for a subscription 
uh, to access our bonus episodes once a week, every Thursday. Uh, we do like a more topical style of show as opposed to this and uh, sort of just conversational. But it's a lot of fun uh, and it's definitely a uh, comedy forward as opposed to maybe you won't think so hard while you're listening to that one. Am I right? Uh, but uh, what's it called? So, yes, check that out. And also, if you don't want a monthly subscription, you just give us a donation there. That's the best way to support the show. Other than that, follow us across social media at History Homos Pod. And uh, you can join us at our Telegram group uh, at t.me slash History Homos. And the, the, the chat room is t.me slash History Homos chat. Uh, and other than that, uh, Romanized Vizboth, anything you want to say to the people as we sign off? Um, no, not really. Just, uh, don't trust, uh, don't trust Gene Epstein. Don't, don't believe his lies, you know, really tattoo that on your body and every day shave it off and read it in the mirror. I agree. Later, homies. Recording. Oh
It's yours, it's mine.